Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of October 12, 2023, including... With Microsoft's acquisition of Activision set to finalize this week, we get our first mention of Activision games coming to Game Pass. Halo Infinite is starting to get truly great with its upcoming Season 5 content rollout. Disney is being urged to buy a major gaming publisher, possibly EA, and more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2004, 19 years ago, Blood Rain 2 was released for the original Xbox, as well as tied to the Tasmanian Tiger Bush Rescue. OG Xbox games, of course, Blood Rain, developed by Terminal Reality, published by Majesco, rest in peace, and uh, tied to developed by Chrome Studios and uh, published by EA back in the day. EA Games. That's back when they did the EA Sports, although Tie 2 wasn't a sports game, so they definitely didn't say EA Sports it's in the game because that would be weird. It was a it was a character platformer game, not a, not a sports game. And what? We have a third? Not one, not two, but three. That's right. Kingdom Under Fire, The Crusaders, was also released on this day in Xbox history. The original Xbox, this was an old Xbox published game, a Microsoft Corporation published game developed by Fantagram Co. So, yeah, I mean, you got your action strategy. Or Kingdom Under Fire is like a it's like RTS-style role-playing game. Tied to, you got your character platformer. That's the one I played, although I played that on GameCube back in the day. And Blood Rain 2. Something weird about Blood Rain is I know I've played that game, but I have no memory of anything about that game. I know it's like action, third-person something game, but I just don't... I don't really have any like specific memories of that game, but I remember Tie 2. That's right. Oh yes, I do. I remember Tie and Tie 2 blockbuster rentals for the Nintendo GameCube. Yes, indeed. And Kingdom Under Fire. No, that didn't that didn't entice me when I was a kid. Doesn't entice me now. Xbox is an Xbox Live game, of course. So that's an early Xbox Live game. Anyway, OG Xbox was great. Let's all reminisce, guys. Welcome to Xbox on the podcast about Xbox, the number one most highly rated Xbox podcast that I have ever left a review for. And I would encourage you to uh, leave a review as well, because if you've never left a review for a podcast and then you go and you leave a five-star review for this podcast, then it will not only be true for me, but it will now be true for you that this is the highest rated podcast Xbox related that you have ever rated. And I'm, I think that's, that's worth, it's worth celebrating. It's something worth maybe running into a running into a Dairy Queen, shouting at the top of your fucking lungs as the person over the counter holds a uh, customer's blizzard upside down, and even the blizzard's so taken aback by your comment that it, it it goes ahead and slides right out of the cup, sitting upside down, even though they strictly advertise that will not happen under no circumstances will your ice cream slide out of the blizzard cup if you turn it upside down. But hey, stranger things have happened. Guys, welcome to this week of Xbox On. I'm just really happy to be here because, well. Complete, to be completely honest, it's, it's just a good week for Xbox news. Like I'm, I'm genuinely interested in the stories we got going on. The Disney and the freaking EA games thing is weird. 
Uh, we got good news about Activision and, and Xbox. That's like kind of interesting to talk about. We got really cool Halo news to talk about. Forza Motorsport just came out. Like so, it's like a you know I feel like the past couple of weeks, aside from like the Xbox leaks and finding out that there's going to be a freaking uh, uh, Amazon Echo speaker looking Xbox in the future. Like I feel like everything lately has just been like yeah, so and so got laid off, and then this studio shut down, and then funding fell through, and then this developer shot themselves in the face because uh, their game failed, and then everything got canceled. Instead of that. We get to talk about like some fun stuff, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to all of that. And with that said, let's just let's just keep let's keep the ball rolling, guys. Notable games releasing this week. I just mentioned one of them, so let's talk about games that are coming out this week that you can expect to play. You must play. In fact, if you don't play at least one of these games, Netflix will mail you an old sleeve that they used to mail DVDs back in in the day, and you will have to actually shove yourself into one of these DVD sleeves and mail yourself back to Netflix where they will uh, they will put you on their service because they are desperate for content and you are sad and pathetic, just like the kind of content that they offer. So you yourself can become a Netflix show for being a loser who didn't play one of the Fallen games. And the Fallen games are Forza Motorsports, which released on October 10th. It's been out. If you bought the Fancy Edition or upgraded to the Fancy Edition with your Game Pass subscription, you've already had access to the game for almost a week at this point or for about a week now. But if you're like me and you didn't spend the extra money or you didn't pre-order the fancy edition of the game and you just you just playing it plain Jane style through Game Pass, then this is the week where you finally get to play Forza Motorsport. The first Forza in like been like six or seven years since since Forza Seven, right? Forza Seven was 2017, right? Yeah, so it's been fuck, it's been yeah, it's been six years, right? Seventeen was Forza Motorsport Seven, eighteen was Forza Horizon Four, nineteen was nothing. 20 was nothing, 21 was Forza Horizon 5, 22 was nothing, and then, yeah, Forza Motorsport. I'm pretty sure that's right. So, yeah, Forza Motorsport's out. We'll talk a lot about that in the what I've been playing, but I'm excited to talk about that because I feel like this game's hitting kind of at a good time. And, uh, spoiler alert, I, I've only got to spend a little bit of time with it so far, but I like it a lot, so... Um, yeah, we'll talk about that in a little while. Lords of the Fallen has, has come out this week on October 13th. Actually, the day this podcast goes live is the day before the game comes out. So I'm, I'm, I'm stretching it a little bit here because this is a Friday release. Podcast goes live on a Thursday, but it's still a game that comes to Xbox this week. So you can go ahead and play that um, if you're looking forward to this sequel to Lords of the it was Lord Lord of the Fallen, and now it's Lords of the Fallen or something like that. It's this weird. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't love the naming convention of this game, but this game is out. And then, of course, there's the other thing I'm really looking forward to. I'm not proud to admit this, but it is true that the reason I'm not going to play as much Forza as I want to is because. Starting Thursday, the day this podcast goes live, is the is the beginning of the Modern Warfare 3 beta, if you've pre-ordered Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, not the game from 2011, but the game from 2023, then you will get beta access beginning on Thursday. If you don't want to pre-order the game, you can get open access to the beta beginning on Saturday, and if you have a PlayStation, you could have started playing this like a week ago, but this is the last time we'll have to deal with that um, whole bullshit of of uh, PlayStation Activision's little marketing uh, romance that has been making Xbox players feel left out. Uh, because after this year, Activision will be Xboxes, and hopefully that marketing deal will be done and over with. Although, I don't know. We don't know what kind of contractual obligation they had if maybe it goes on for another year. But I, I believe we remember... I believe there was reporting or some kind of story that came out in the past year or so of the 8.6 million Activision stories we've gotten about this purchase of from Microsoft, I think one of them was saying that this will be the last Call of Duty to have some kind of exclusive PlayStation deal. So I, don't know, I could be wrong, but I think that's true. But anyway, 
Modern Warfare 3 Beta, beginning this Thursday if you pre-ordered the game on Xbox. Very much looking forward to getting into that. And yeah, so like I said, so if you're not playing at least one of those three games this, this week, I mean, what, what, are, what are you, stupid? You, you big dumb idiot? So, yep, and we'll talk about some of that stuff a little more when we get to the what I've been playing. But guys, let's start out this week with corrections. Just kidding. I haven't had any, I've never said anything wrong in my whole life. I've actually, in fact, every time I say something that is factually incorrect, one of my many, many diehard fans of the podcast then goes to the Wikipedia article for the game or the person or the event that I am referencing incorrectly and adjusts the information so that my mis- misspoken uh, remembrance of that event, person, or story is then, in fact, correct. And then Wikipedia does not correct the article. And now whenever you go to the article on said person, event, or product, uh, you actually see that whatever I said is now not false information. It is actually the new truth. We are calling it new truth, kind of like new Super Mario Bros., but for truth, it's called new truth. It's my truth. And so, yes, I've never made a mistake, and therefore there's no need for correction. So we will just roll right on into the opening stories of the po- of the, of the week, the, the mildly amusing stories, updates on stories from previous weeks, and just uh, general things to kind of talk about in the news to kind of warm us up as we get into the juicier news later in the podcast. But with that said, guys, I just I, I want to get straight to Halo Infinite. I just want to talk about Halo Infinite for a second because I've been so out of love with Halo lately in a way that makes me profoundly sad and on the few occasions where I've tried to go back and be like yeah, I'm going I'm to play some Halo Infinite I love Halo I'm going to play some Infinite you know I, I, I always keep Halo Infinite downloaded on my PC my Series S and my Series X I have three devices that I could play Halo Infinite on at any given time because I'm just always so ready to be in the mood for Halo and to appreciate Halo and to, and to love Halo but I, I just I gotta be honest for about the past 12 months maybe more it's just Halo Infinite has really just not grabbed me excited me and I just I really hate that that's the reality of the situation but I've just been way more satisfied and, and just um, in, ingrained in what's going on in Call of Duty land um, as far as like my first person shooter games as a service nonsensical this is wasting your life how are you almost 30 doing this stuff this, this stuff still kind of like time waster and so really happy to say that this week we got some Halo news that's hopefully about to turn if not turn it around, at least begin to really start to turn around. Although I'm sure many Halo fans are like, you dumbass. Season three is when things started to get... Season four was excellent. Where were you? Shut up. So about season five. From Windows Central, that's right. It's not all VGC on this podcast. From Windows Central, Halo players can look forward to what is likely the most exciting season yet for Halo Infinite. Developer 343 has shared an overview of Halo Infinite Season 5, Reckoning, on Monday. I love how um, Halo... I don't know. It sounds like Halo 5 Guardians, Halo Infinite Season 5 Reckoning. Um, I wonder if whatever the story content for this uh, season will be just jumped over in the next game and they'll just pretend it never happened like Halo 5. But uh, anyway, revealing everything players can look forward to. This season is packed with new additions, including uh, two new arena maps. One of those maps, Prism, which appears to include a giant Needler crystal. Yeah, they say that this is the location where the needler crystals were discovered um which is a fucking cool idea for just lore's sake and also it looks like an awesome map uh while the second map forbidden looks like it's inspired by delta halo on halo 2 from halo 2 um this uh these seasons also these seasons the season also adds a number of new cosmetics inspired by the flood the flood being a prominent theme of this season which is you know in theme with it being Halloween time, so that's cool. With bulbous pustules and slender tr- tendrils coming off 
of the outside of Spartan armor, arguably the biggest additions is also the launch of Forge AI, which will allow players to add banished enemies to their Forge creations. So you could like basically create your own campaign level or combat scenarios with AI characters. Players will also get XP beginning in this season from custom matches um, when the season begins, as well as be able to use any helmet on any armor core. So you don't have to stick fully to an armor core, which is the beginning of mixing and matching armor cores, which is something people have been asking for since the year 2021. Uh, while all this stuff arrives with when the season begins on October 17th next week, uh, there's more to look forward to in the future, including a, a tease they showed for a, a new mode called Firefight King of the Hill uh, coming later in Season 5, so probably in the next month or so, uh, which will add new versions of classic Halo Firefight experience to the Halo Infinite game mode roster. I don't know what Halo or I don't know what Firefight King of the Hill will be like exactly, although I guess you have kind of an idea. But I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to this because... Halo 5 uh, took Firefight and spun it on its head when they did um, Warzone Firefight, which, uh, dude, shout out to Warzone Firefight and Halo 5. People do not give that mode enough love. Warzone Firefight was so good. So, so good in Halo 5. Um, so I'm I'm all for, you know, a new spin on the Firefight game mode with uh, King of the Hill Firefight. Sounds a little, uh, a little, I don't know, like something I would have never guessed would be a, a, a good pairing as firefight and king of the hill but i'm more i'm more than excited to give it a go so anyway let's talk about a little halo 5 for a minute so if you have not seen the season 5 trailer showing off all the new um content coming this season then you got you gotta stop what you're doing and go watch this trailer because it just looks so good in fact I'm going to pull it up right now while I talk. Yeah, they're also bringing back... Sorry. So, yeah, I got the trailer pulled up. I'm just watching it while I'm talking. But, yeah, so they're also bringing back Extraction Mode from Halo 4, which I love. I love seeing that just... Uh, I just love seeing, like, that kind of celebration of 343 Halo because it's always cool when they're like, oh, they're bringing back this map or this gun or whatever from Halo 2 or Halo... It's, like, cool. It's nostalgic. Of course, everyone loves some Bungie Halo, and, and, and no doubt I do, too. But I also love when they acknowledge something that's, like, from Halo 4 or Halo 5. That's, that's great because it's also just a way of being like hey halo 4 and 5 exist and are awesome and matter despite you know what the loud obnoxious fanboys have to say online so really looking forward to that i just i just gotta say man halo infinite as a whole at least judging by this trailer just looks like it's in a really good spot um they also added master chief's armor core so if you get to the highest rank um in the in the new spartan ranks uh system you can also unlock master chief's armor core to use a multiplayer which is i think it's like kind of the coolest ultimate reward you could put in the game that's going to be super cool it's like oh if you see someone playing in the game they look like halo infinite's version of master chief's armor that means they are the highest rank possible in the game which is just fucking awesome so i don't know i'm, I'm just really high on this and looking at all the forge maps that have made it made their way into like these multiplayer playlists as well as some of the newer maps and looking not so i don't know not so samey like all the base maps and initial DLC maps looked in this game. It's just, it looks like Halo Infinite has a lot of that visual flair that is so desperately needed. And like, I don't know, it just looks, it looks fun. It looks ridiculous and fun and goofy and kind of like classic Halo. But at the same time, I don't know. It's just, Halo Infinite is such an unfortunate game because at its core, it's an, an amazing gameplay loop. Um, it's a really great foundation that was just missing so much meat on the bones and had no proper support for the longest time when it needed it most in its initial after its initial launch. So it's just the fact that I don't know the fact that <laughs> this game basically retcons everything I love about Halo 5 skips over it or ignores it outright. And then on top of that goes on to be, in my opinion, a worse game than Halo 5. And then 
you know, they like lose the campaign team, they lose all the he- core people at the studio, and then just get the, the whole game gets stripped down into this like shell of what it was supposed to be. I'm like, God damn it. Just, it, it's left me so despondent about Halo. But seeing all this stuff starts to really like turn things around and put me in like a happy, warm, fuzzy place again with Halo. And it, it's crazy because this, this update is happening. It, it comes out on the 17th, which is the day after the Halo or the Modern Warfare 3 beta ends, but it's also the day after Sonic Superstars comes out. So I'm like, I, I want to just go play some Halo Infinite. Maybe I'll just put Sonic Superstars on hold for a little bit because right now I'm very overwhelmed with the amount of games to play. And I'll just, I don't know, maybe just play some Halo Infinite since I already have it. It's not another game I have to purchase and I can just try to maybe see if there's some Halo magic to capture because I have a feeling that the past few seasons and especially this one are just really good opportunities for lapsed Halo players or big Halo fans who maybe have just bounced for a little bit to come back and be like, Oh yeah, this, this shit's good. There's a reason why we, why we love Halo so damn much. And I just, I don't know. I feel like this, uh, at least this trailer and this news and the direction they're headed, it just seems like they're really capturing that. I, like acknowledging the flood after, I mean, obviously this isn't like a new story content with the flood in it. Like people have been asking for, but acknowledging the flood having caused like flood cosmetic stuff and integrating them into the multiplayer season like that. I think it's just a, it's such a good nod. It's a great way to celebrate Halloween while also being a great nod to your hardcore fans that are just begging for these kinds of references and in aspects of the halo universe to come back into the, into the fray. And I, I don't know. It just, it just seems like there's a lot of love and a lot of passion from the, the remaining skeleton crew of three, four, three trying to really do something special with halo three, halo infinite's multiplayer, despite, um, despite all the, shit that happened to this game basically um after you know in the in the months and year following it's uh it's release so halo infinite season five i know i'm super hyped to just give it a try hopefully recapture some of that magic a lot of my problem with this game has been like even when i try to go back i just it, it just feels a little bit too sweaty for halo and i know it sounds hypocritical coming from someone who always so staunchly defends halo 5 because i know halo 5 is supposed to be considered like the super sweaty over the top competitive halo and i know it technically is but for some reason i don't know why halo infinite is the one that always comes off to me as like a little too sweaty i don't i really don't know why i maybe that's not justifiable but i always get that impression when i try to come back like i'm like i don't know it's like why, why does it feel like i have to try so hard to have a good time in this game and uh i don't know it just it loses me a little bit so hopefully that won't be the case hopefully we'll really enjoy this uh i'll really enjoy this new season and i don't know like i listen i would love i would love for halo infinite to just be so goddamn pure and good and amazing that it makes me go call of duty who because like i don't know like back in like the the heyday of the, the 360 era call of duty was always my number two you know like like halo comes first i want to play halo 3 i want to play firefight on odst i want to play freaking halo reach those games always came before call of duty the only reason i truly loved call of duty back in those days multiplayer is great don't get me wrong old call of duty multiplayer modern warfare 2 world at war all that stuff i love those games but zombies is really the thing that kept me invested in call of duty other than that i mean call of duty was a distant distant second compared to halo but these days unfortunately i don't feel as much that way i still have way more respect and, and more of a deep affinity for what Halo is as an IP and a story and a universe. But in terms of like just pure enjoyment of the games, I don't know, man. These days I just have so much dumb fun with Call of Duty just being the ridiculous, stupid game that it always is, that reliable fun it offers. And Halo is just like a – Halo is like a – it's like a toxic relationship where it's like I, I love it, but it disappoints me, and I know it's going to break my heart, but I want it to be good. 
And uh, I don't I don't like it feeling that way because Halo Halo didn't used to feel that way not until pretty recently. So he, anyway, that's my little rant on Halo. I'm excited. I'm optimistic about the future. And I'm really hoping season five just kind of knocks it out of the park. And uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'd love to know what you guys think. I know, obviously, I think the, the, the most this podcast has ever really resonated in touch with an audience is when we're all bonding over Halo. If I think about, like, the most engagement Xbox on has ever had. And I don't mean that in, like, a gross kind of, like, I'm a, I'm a content creator. I need I need to farm engagement. I don't mean it in that kind of way. I mean it just in terms of, like, when I, when I notice the kinds of conversations that have connected with the audience the most and and made people want to jump in and have a conversation it's it, the the biggest commonality the biggest um, grounds for relatability in this community has always been halo and i mean that's no surprise i mean halo is the game for xbox it is it is xbox right but i just i don't know i, wa- I want halo to be so great that we can all kind of be like yeah halo again kind of like we all thought it was gonna be when we were all naive and stupid back in november of 2021 and then quickly found out like two months later oh god this game is a little bit of a hot mess but put a pin in that for now next week we can talk about it when the season's out and i've played a little bit of it we've all been able to collect ourselves for a moment and uh think about what all they brought to the table but until then let's move on talk about some uh, i bet you weren't expecting to see this one this week uh redfall redfall is in the news again for good reason from vgc bethesda has released the promise the long promise 60 frame per second update for arcane's redfall and made changes to the game's combat and gameplay bethesda said in the announcement quote this patch brings performance mode to series x series s and stealth takedowns new control settings accessibility improvements and much more explore an even more dangerous redfall with an increased open world enemy population and new encounters read the and you can read all the updates and hot fixes and things that are thrown in there on the uh, Bethesda on Bethesda's um, blog post about it but I mean the big thing here is that enemy is enemy AI is improved there are more enemies on the map um, there's still takedowns and of course that 60 FPS update is here so I saw a lot of people talking about like this is too little too late this is this doesn't fix the core fundamental issues with the game I think it's cool they stuck to their guns and, and stuck to their word and did the thing they said they were going to do obviously my my take with this was always you should just delay the game until you're ready to fucking launch it some of this stuff just sounds like stuff that should be there at launch and not updated you know five months later because like me for example i played redfall i beat redfall i'm done with redfall i'm not going back to redfall at all so there's no that wasn't supposed to rhyme but there's no reason for me to come back now and now the game is 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 better it has a lot of issues addressed but it's like i don't know you lost me and we're seeing these reports where like the game has such a low player count on steam that it's in like the single digit range week over week and just things where they're talking about like look at game pass you know people like people on twitter and like influencers and xbox people are talking about like how look at like game passes top most played games and how and how games like like redfall don't even crack the top 10 top 20 list of those games at all despite being you know a big xbox first party game that released this year and it, it, it's just true that it's like I, I don't know man this might be i appreciate like pete hines the other week saying like hey we're committed to this we're committed to making it a great game but it's like I just think this is one of those examples where it's like you need to you need to admit you fucked up, cut your losses and move on. The sooner you move on, the sooner we can get over to the next thing. And I said as someone who actually liked Redfall a whole lot more than most people did, like I I enjoy Redfall. I think it is a deeply flawed game, but it is a rock solid six and a half, seven out of ten, like kind of just fun weekend. Well, maybe like a fun game to play for a week and then move on with your life. I don't know. That was kind of my takeaway. I didn't do everything the game had to offer, although the game doesn't have too much to offer. I did 
a lot of it, and then I, I rolled credits, and I enjoyed it. And I thought the game was, in some ways, a little too easy, in some ways, a little obtuse, but for the most part, pretty fun. And if, if you like uh, the idea of, like, a spooky New England, slightly Far Cry-inspired uh, vampire game, then uh, it's it, it's fun. I just, I just think Arcane made a pretty solid rough draft of a game here and that there could be a lot more done to make this game better but i don't know i just feel like with how with how like effed the game is in terms of its population in terms of its appeal and its draw i don't think they're going to win back an audience and so i just think it'd be better to move on and try to recover by doing something great with your next game as opposed to lingering on this and continuing to make it marginally better, despite the fact that people are not going to come back to it. This is one of those, like, it's interesting that we talk about this back-to-back with Halo. Halo Infinite is a really, really great game that had a really abysmal content rollout following its launch and is suffering greatly because it is a truly great game that does not have the support it needs to maintain to maintain its to maintain and, and continue to capture its player base like like halo infinite is a great game that people want more of and want to continue to enjoy and play but cannot because they didn't have the the content roadmap figured out but redfall is different redfall is a truly okay game that nobody really wants more of that really didn't hit the mark for the majority of people and in most cases really overwhelmingly disappointed i think people are over-exaggeratory about how bad this game is. I think there's a lot of, like, hand-wringing for no fucking reason. The game is fine. It's not immaculate. It's not super incredible by any stretch of the imagination, but it's 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 absolutely fine. It's, again, it's, like, a solid six and a half or something like that out of ten. Yeah, it's, yeah like, maybe six. Just, th- there we go. I'll say it's a six out of ten. It's not, I'm thinking about it a little more. I'm like, it's fun. It's bare-bones. Bare it's basic. There's a lot of egregious mistakes, but it's also unique and creative. Has wonderful atmosphere. Some fun moments, great aesthetics. I don't know. It's 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 a decent time. I just no one's clamoring for more of this game. No one's asking for it to be made great. No one no one's like oh, I, I wanted to love Redfall, but they just it's just one thing it needs. It's like for most people, it seems that the the consensus is this game is not really redeemable. It's not really savable. So let's just move on. So now they got that sixty FPS patch out that they were promising. I think it's just time to move on. I don't even think you need to be worried about more content down the road or further updates to improve more features of the game. I mean, if you want to do that, that's great. But I think at the end of the day, you just got to move on and go do something else at this point. So it is cool that they stuck to their word, though, and at least did the thing that they that we that we were waiting for. It's just too bad it couldn't have been there back on May 2nd when the game came out and we all actually wanted to play the game for the first time, you know. Anyway, let's talk about X Defiant. Speaking of a, a game, a game that we thought was coming out a while ago that isn't coming out yet that still keeps getting delayed because god damn it they're just just gonna make it better and better and better arcane could have could have been like this game although i think that's bethesda's fault that the redfall stuff happened but going on vgc reports ubisoft have delayed its upcoming free-to-play fps x defiant once again following a recent public test session i think that was two weeks ago that happened according to the game's development team the beta exposed some issues that have had to be addressed before the game's uh preseason can be released quote thank you to everyone who participated in our recent public test session and continues to stand alongside as we build x defiant the message on the game's twitter account reads the pts once again showed us your appreciation i think that means uh 
player test session or whatever shows your appreciation for our fast-paced gunplay uniquely cra crafted maps and objective driven game modes and iconic fashion iconic faction roster but it also surfaced some inconsistencies with the experience that we need to address prior to launching the preseason so we've made the hard decision to delay the preseason of x defiant which basically means the base game before you start doing battle passes i guess uh, the team will continue to work hard to address these issues and testing them to make sure that we deliver on the goal uh, of being the best, a best in class shooter. We will share more info about the preseason and testing as it comes. Thank you again for the support. Blah 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 blah. So some people are saying that the the new date will just be later in October. Like hey, this is a two to three week delay, not like a two to three month delay type of deal. So just expect the game coming out later in October. And some people are saying, hey, they're just punting it a week or so because that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 beta is taking place right now and they don't want people competing because obviously X Define is clearly going for the OG hardcore Call of Duty player base. So they're saying, you know, everyone's going to have their eyes on Modern Warfare 3. So maybe let's wait until that beta is over and then another week goes by and then we'll release right before Modern Warfare 3 actually comes out, but after the beta so people can get in and be like, oh, damn, I just played that new Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. It's okay, but it's just more Call of Duty. This X Defined, though, this is some good shit. And so maybe they're going to do like a late October release. I don't know. Maybe that's a little tinfoil hat. Kind of makes sense to me. But at the same time, I feel like releasing right in between the Modern Warfare 3 beta and the Modern Warfare launch, Modern Warfare 3 launch in, on November 10th, I feel like is actually kind of a terrible idea because as a Call of Duty fan, if there's one thing I've noticed is the Call of Duty cycle is very much like everyone's shitting on the new Call of Duty. Then the beta happens. Most people are like, okay, it's pretty fun, and then the game comes out a few weeks later, everyone buys it despite saying they're not going to buy it, and it goes, okay, the game's pretty okay, they just need to fix these four things and it'll be perfect, and then everyone plays a shit ton for two months, and then when the game's on its third month after release, everyone's like, okay, this game's a total piece of shit, garbage, waste of your time, I've pumped 147 hours into the game, and I can tell you with confidence, it's not worth $70, I mean, if you play 147 hours of a game with your friends and have a lot of fun on the weekends, you're clearly wasting your money, so I think Activision is greedy and shitty, and we should never buy another one of their games, and then, you know, like around January or so, and from then on out for the rest of the year, that's kind of when the whole Call of Duty community turns on whatever the latest Call of Duty game is. And that's like, I think that's like the perfect time to launch X Defiant because, again, they're not going. I mean, obviously, they want a big audience. They want, you know, Rocket League, Fortnite level audience. Not that that's what this game's going to be, I don't think. But. I think their target demographic to to obtain a core audience of people who are going to support and play X Defiant, they're clearly targeting those hardcore Call of Duty people. Those people that spend 12 months a year saying, I hate Call of Duty so much, while they pump 400 hours into the latest Call of Duty, buy it for $70, and then go online just to specifically let every fucking individual know in every YouTube comment section that they specifically don't like Call of Duty and that the, that the franchise is dead even though they keep buying the fucking game year after year. Um, and then I think if you can target that person at the right time you could really do something great for x defiant wait till that initial pre you know first two months of hype die down from a new call of duty coming out the, the hardcore fans start to bitch and moan the reddit pages all turn to turn to dog shit and that's when you slip out x defiance february the you know game releases aren't as crazy as it was back in october november although these years february is a pretty crazy time for game releases but you get the idea and then you kind of slip it in there and be like yeah modern warfare 3 is uh not living up to the hope and hopes and dreams you had for it well try our game next to find i think that's a really good idea but 
I don't know. This game's had a really interesting launch because it's not it's not kind of being marketed and launched and released in a traditional fashion where it's like, oh, here's a beta. The game will be out in three months. It's more like here's a beta and another beta and a play test. It's like, I mean, I myself have played like 15 hours of X Defiant across multiple play tests and, and betas at this point. So I feel like I played this game extensively. I, I, I've played X Defiant enough to where if I didn't ever play X Defiant again, I could still feel confident in saying, yeah, I played X Defiant. I, I can tell you, I can tell you what that game is like because I mean they just had that many play tests for this game. So I, I don't really know. They're they're doing a very unconventional approach to the way they're launching this game. So I guess all I'm trying to say is, no, nothing would surprise me with how they approach it. I just think it would be in their best interest to maybe get a little bit. Don't Titanfall to yourself. Get a little bit of distance from Call of Duty. Wait till the hype's died down. I'm telling you, man. I, as as one of like four Call of Duty fans left in this world who doesn't just shit on every Call of Duty that comes out. I just buy the fucking game, acknowledge that some of them are better than others, but they're all pretty good, and then you enjoy the fucking game and you move on. with. Like, I, Listen, I, I have criticism. This is just going to turn to me patting myself on the back, but I have criticisms too, right? Like Call of Duty Vanguard, not the best Call of Duty, not even close. Pro- probably top two or three worst Call of Duties of all time, if I'm being honest, but the shooting still felt good. The multiplayer was still fun. Like, the campaign sucked, the zombies sucked, the characters were lame as hell, the battle passes weren't fun, but, like, the core multiplayer was good, the map design was good, the gameplay felt good and satisfying, playing the multiplayer for long periods of time was very fun and addicting, like, all good Call of Duty is, so, like, I don't I don't know, man, like, people people shit too hard. I, like, I, I've spent the, the past full, like, the entire past year I've just spent scratching my fucking head, because I've been playing Modern Warfare 2 weekly since it came out like every fucking week since last november i've played call of duty modern warfare 2 and i'm like 200 hours into that game and i got i gotta tell you man like modern warfare 2 is great modern warfare 2 is a really really great call of duty it's one of the better call of duties especially in the past 10 years i would say you know if we're not talking about the glory days of call of duty like the old mw12 black ops 12 that kind of era if we're not talking about those days like i don't know man like Modern Warfare 2, like the game that came out last year, like that's a it's like a top five Call of Duty game. Like it's 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 a pretty damn great game. And I'm just scratching my fucking head, like enjoying the multiplayer. The campaign was fucking awesome. Uh the raids have been so good. The seasonal raids that they they've done have been so good. And I'm just scratching my head as like all of my Twitter feed and Reddit and everything is just people like, well, since uh since Infinity Ward sucks fucking ass and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is a fucking bomb and they're greedy assholes and the game is a piece of shit. I'm like, what do you what what game are you playing, brother? Like, what the fuck are you even talking about? I just, I don't, I don't even understand these people. But X Defiant, if you want to target yourself, uh, if you want to target that specific audience and try to capture them as your core audience, by all fucking means, they're toxic, they suck ass, and I, and good fucking riddance. I can't, I, can't, I bro, like, there's a couple Call of Duty. This, now we're just so far off the tangent, but I, whatever. I, I love talking about Call of Duty, so I'm gonna do it. There are a couple Call of Duty YouTubers I love to watch. My favorite one, and, and this is like this is like a guilty pleasure YouTuber, just so I'm being clear. This isn't like, because this guy's a little cringe, but I love him anyway. His name is uh, Narrows Cinema, and he's a Call of Duty YouTuber. He's one of those guys like uploads every fucking day, has the thumbnails with the titles. Wow, Activision's really this fucking stupid. Like that, like, I'm exaggerating, but you know, like those kinds of titles and stuff. But I, I love him. I love watching him. For some reason, he's very comforting to watch. And um, 
I don't know, just it just like helps keep me engaged with Call of Duty, even though he's overwhelmingly negative half the time. He, he's positive sometimes, and I think sometimes he has some interesting shit to say. But I just love watching his stuff. And but he's generally pretty negative. He's like, oh man, Activision are just so great. Oh man, Infinity Ward is just what are they doing? They're ruining the game and like just saying all this shit. I'm like, I don't know, man. I think the game's pretty fucking awesome. And then you scroll down to the comments and they're like, Modern Warfare Three is just glorified DLC. I can't believe they're charging seventy dollars for this game. I'm like. Yeah, bro, they're they're gonna charge you seventy dollars for Modern Warfare Three, a game that's gonna come with a fucking kick-ass eight-hour campaign, um, a, a brand new zombies mode that you know whether you like it or not, it's it's, it's a new zombies mode, so it's new content, and uh, a f- sixteen brand new multiplayer maps with tweaked new movement and mechanics and all new guns and leveling system and six new battle passes and you know a year of content support. Like, what do you fucking want, man? I don't know. Like, is that not? Is that not worth 70 bucks? Like, I I poured 200 hours into Modern Warfare 2 over the past year, and I'm like, I don't know. That's worth a lot more than the 70 bucks I paid to get it. I don't fucking know. I guess not. Whatever. People are crazy, dude. People just enjoy your fucking video games, okay? And also, if you're going to pump two, three, four hundred hours into a video game, you don't have the authority to say it sucks because you look like a fucking moron. It's like dating someone for 20 years. And on, and on, like, the eighth month of dating that person, like, this person is a fucking nightmare. I would never want to spend another day of my life with this person. They're a piece of shit, and I hope they die. And then you spend, like, 20 fucking years with them. Like, what are, what are you doing, idiot? Go do something else. Call of Duty sucks so bad, stop buying it and playing it. Anyway, I'm smart. You're dumb. I have good takes. You have bad takes. And now we move on. All the call, all the Call of Duty haters who listen to this podcast are like, oh my fucking god, stop talking, stop talking about it. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, this last mildly amusing story, I don't have much to say. I just kind of want to touch on it because obviously it's an ever evolving story. But the CEO of uh, Unity has stepped down this week among uh, um, among all the uh, shit that's been going on with Unity. So uh, John Riccitello, Richard. Tellio, Tellio, Riccitello, goddamn Italians, stepping down as present CEO, chairman, and board member, effective immediately. Former EA boss, I'm going to just call him Riccitello because I fucking want to. He's probably from New Jersey, so who cares? Joined the the, the Unity game engine maker, uh, joined the board of directors back in 2013, and led the company since the following year. His departure comes weeks after the company sparked backlash from their development community by announcing controversial monetization plans for its popular game engine, which we talked about on the podcast for a couple weeks. Uh, and then, uh, you know, despite walking it back, a little bit over the past few weeks, uh, you know, still just kind of in the shitter. A lot of people jumping ship, not using Unity, kind of boycotting it. Lots of bad faith uh, going around, you know, aimed at Unity. So former IBM president James Whitehurst uh, has been appointed as Unity's interim CEO and president, while Ro- Royloff Botha, uh, lead independent director of unity board has been named the new chairman. So this is like effective immediately. This isn't a transition. This is like ASAP. We're installing a new leader quote. It's been a privilege to lead unity for nearly a decade. Ooh. And to serve our employees, customers, developers, and partners, all of whom have been instrumental in the company's growth. Said Riccatelio. I look forward to supporting unity through the transition and following the company's future success. With the company's experience, leadership, and passionate employees, I am confident Unity was, is well-positioned to continue enhancing its platform, strengthen its community and customers or develop partners, and focusing on its growth, profitability, and goals, said Whitehurst. 
Um, I don't have much to say about this either than like this is kind of the right move because when a company makes such a catastrophic decision like this, there's really not much. I mean, Unity as a brand, as a company, as an image is completely damaged at this point. Like, I, I'm not saying it, there's no salvaging this company, this engine, this brand. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it is without a doubt heavily damaged and tarnished following what's happened here. And usually when a company gets to that point where it's like so bad, the only thing that you can do that's big enough to like really not signal to people like, hey, completely forget about everything bad we did and come love us again. But the only thing you can do to really get enough attention to say like, sorry for what we did. We're at least going to try to make it better or we're at least going to instill hope in you that things will get better. Really, The only thing you can do to, to kind of instill that is to get rid of your leader, get rid of your CEO, get rid of your owner, get rid of your head honcho and, and install someone to replace them because that at least is like a definitive sign of change and it always instills kind of a, a sense of optimism as well, whether it's earned and deserved or not. So I, I don't know. I don't have much else to say about this other than like, yeah, I think that's about all you can and should do in this in this uh, instance. So well, uh, I don't know. I don't know if this story continues to evolve after that, but I'm sure we'll see many changes happen in Unity now that there's new leadership, and uh, I, I doubt this will continue to stay in the news as heavily as uh, as things will probably just start to kind of normalize and go back. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll keep an eye on the story as it evolves. But, yeah, that's it for all, all the opening news stories, guys. All right, so after that, I think it's time to uh, move on over to the games I've been playing this week. But before I can tell you about the games I've been playing this week, I got to tell you all about what I've been eating. You guys, there's two things I want to talk about. So someone mentioned it briefly last week and it just had to happen. So we, uh, we've done it. We did it following the success. That was a revisit of Denny's after a decade plus of not having had Denny's. The, the, the itch was there to try all these American diner, old people institutions that I don't know. I just, it just seems like a thing where it's like Gen Z and millennials don't just don't, support these establishments, these kinds of, uh, Denny's IHOP type places. So my girlfriend, and I morbidly curious can, you know, seeing what other of these types of establishments are still good, uh, decided on a whim to give Cracker Barrel a try. I should, I should say, actually, we went to go to the, the Denny's near us because we were so pleasantly surprised. We we're going to go do that whole thing again, but the Denny's near us was actually so filthy and disgusting looking that we actually didn't even end up making it inside the building. And we decided to not do it last second, but still in the mood to give another place a go. We looked at the Cracker Barrel down the road from us and said, fuck it. Why not? So we went to Cracker Barrel. Honest to God, first time I've been to Cracker Barrel since I was like maybe 14 years old. I don't, I don't know. It's been a, a hell of a long time. So we have, we, we go over to the Cracker Barrel. It's, uh, n nothing has changed here, you know, since the last time I've been to a Cracker Barrel. It's, you know, it's still the weird country store that's like kind of quaint, kind of charming, but also a little bit uncomfortable at the same time. Where you're like, n nothing about this establishment is outright like racist or weird, but it just kind of feels a little off. But, uh, nonetheless, fuck it. I'm excited. I, I loved Cracker Barrel as a kid. Why not? Why not just stop being a, a prick and just enjoy it as an adult? So we go ahead, we sit down, and, uh, we're expecting, oh, God, you know, we're here at Cracker Barrel relatively early, you know, on a weekday morning. It's going to be just overrun with, like, old people, and we're going to be on, like, a 30-minute wait. Nope. Sat right away. And uh, here, here's the thing. I'll just cut straight to the, the 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 quick part. Food, Cracker Barrel, pretty good. We had breakfast. It's kind of hard to fuck up breakfast. Overall, their breakfast was really good. Coffee, nice. Uh, I had uh, country fried chicken with, with gravy and eggs, and it was all great. The biscuits and gravy, biscuits were fine. Gravy was like 
good, not great. Not not great gravy, but still. Overall, the food was pretty great. Here's the thing that's that's different about Cracker Barrel and Denny's. Denny's was like, yeah, the price point is still pretty effective, and I was surprised how good the food was. Cracker Barrel was like, I genuinely cannot believe how little it costs to eat at Cracker Barrel. Like, I'm talking about, like, giant fucking meals, like meals that will fill you up for almost the entire day for, like, $10. I'm talking about, like, me and my girlfriend both got two breakfast entrees, biscuits and gravy, and coffees, and spent, before tip, like, 30 bucks. I was like, what fucking year is it? This is the thing about Cracker Barrel. It's like, our, our verdict on Denny's was, like, it's a little sad looking, but... The, the place holds up. The food's great, and the prices are, are are solid. By today's standards, solid. Cracker Barrel is like, the food the food's pretty good. Denny's is a little better on the food, but fuck the taste. What is up with these prices? Like, I thought Cracker Barrel was just trying to, like, imitate this, like, pastoral, nostalgic, old, like, American way of life that never was but always will be type of deal. But more to the point, the reason why it is themed that way and why it feels that way is because they're just trying to thematically match the prices on the fucking menu. It feels like you walked back in time, not just because the rocking chairs and the sweet tea and the and the and the smell of and the smell of uh, uh, of dead chicken roasting in the air or whatever the fuck it is. It smells like at, at, at a Cracker Barrel, but because it's like fucking nine dollars to eat there per person or something like that. It's, it's insane. It's preposterous. You can like, I mean, the most expensive entree I could find on the menu was like twelve dollars and fifty cents. Like, what is happening? Why are they willing to serve me steak and eggs for like 12 bucks? Of course, I'm not going to trust that. I'm not going to eat that because that's weird. I'm not eating a $12 steak, but fuck me, dude. I think my entree, if I remember, was like country fried steak, gravy, and eggs, and cheesy potato casserole, and biscuits, and gravy, and I got a coffee. All of that after tax, like before tip, just for that part of it alone was like 15 bucks. And then after my girlfriend's entree and everything... We spent like 30 bucks max. I just, I just don't even understand what happened. And so I got to give a crowd, a, a shout out to Cracker Barrel because while I think Denny's is clearly, if we're just talking about like these American style, quick, fast, casual family, sit down diner style restaurants that are kind of of a bygone era era where you might, you know, you might see like a fucking, um, I don't know. You, you, you'll see like a Buzzfeed article titled like millennials are killing Cracker Barrel. Like that, that kind of establishment of all of them so far, I'm like, I think Cracker Barrel might be in the lead right now. Just be, just purely because of how insanely impressive their price point is per person. Like, it's just, I'll put it this way. Even in a pre-pandemic world, I would have been blown away by these prices. This isn't just like, wow, considering how bad inflation's been the past few years, these prices are really good. This is like, no, no, no. Even 2019, Jesse, would have been like, that was 30 bucks for two people to eat here? Like, it's insane. It's so good. So, I mean, on price alone, I got to shoot Cracker Barrel to the top of the list. Like, Denny's, I'd prefer your food almost any day and probably even your atmosphere if it's a nice, clean Denny's. But, man, Cracker Barrel, I straight over five out of five. Server was super awesome. Food was super awesome. Everything was quick. Also, shout out to, like, half the fucking tables were booths, so I didn't have to worry about getting sat in the... In the I hate chairs. I like booths. So very good experience. Shout out to the Cracker Barrel. So now the ranking is Cracker Barrel on top. Denny's is second. I think we got to try like Bob Evans or Perkins or something next. I feel like I don't need to try IHOP because I 
IHOP is the only one of these kinds of restaurants where I've consistently eaten at IHOP throughout all the years. I mean, yes, I haven't been to an IHOP in probably like four or five years at this point, but until until pretty recently, until then, I feel like I've I've steadily eaten at IHOP from like age from like age ten into like age twenty three or something like that. Like so, I I have I have a pretty like extensive experience with IHOP over the years. So I don't know. Like, sure, I'll go back to IHOP and try just to kind of compare it more recently. But Cracker Barrel, whoa, you at the top, girl, you you crazy. And this is and just and like I'm specifically talking about like the breakfast anytime kind of diner country store little old americana style place like the like the cracker barrel denny's ihop bob evans perkins style restaurants uh, i have a separate list of these kinds of restaurants for like the um like the like the friday night saturday night sports bar family style restaurant chili's tgi fridays applebee's like that type of restaurant. that's like a whole another tier list i got going on you know i always put tgi fridays at the top of that list but tgi fridays is the worst price point wise i think applebee's probably goes to the top for price point and then chili's probably is the perfect in between for decent price decent decent food but um i'm specifically talking about like the breakfast diner style shit man when it comes to these chain restaurants cracker barrel that shit's good other thing I want to mention for what I've been eating, guys, the Mr. Beast Bar. I went to a 7-Eleven today, and um, I saw they had at the checkout counter uh, these chocolate bars called Mr. Beast Bars, like the YouTuber Mr. Beast. And they had like a, a like a chocolate peanut butter one. They had like a, a like a poppy crunch one, kind of like a crunch bar. And then they had like a solid chocolate one, kind of like just a regular chocolate bar. So I got the regular solid chocolate one. I'm like, what the fuck is a Mr. Beast chocolate bar like? Well, let me tell you pretty damn good like it's only five ingredients it's all real shit i'm like i don't care about that that sounds lame but the the chocolate bar pretty decent so i don't really have much to say on this other than just uh shout to your you know shout to your youtubers that are making better chocolate bars than most uh candy companies out there but it's by no means you know it's no it's no hershey's chocolate bar with almonds or anything like that but pretty good I'm a fan of the Mr. Beast bar, so shout out to that. Just want to give that a little nod. But that's it for what I've been eating, you guys. And with that said, let's move on to the what I've been playing, which I got a lot, I got a lot of games here. Although there's a couple where we really don't have to talk about this, like Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, I've been playing Modern Warfare 2. Fucking surprise, surprise. Working on that season six battle pass. I don't really care. Nothing really to say there. Forza Motorsport. This is the big one. So the game's out officially. Unfortunately, for people like me that didn't buy the special edition or upgrade or anything, the game has only been accessible as of Tuesday the 10th, which is yesterday as the time I'm recording this. So played it on Tuesday, came out on Tuesday, recording the podcast today, and it'll go live tomorrow on Thursday. So I haven't had a lot of time with the game. Honestly, I've played like an hour and a half of this game. I really haven't spent a whole lot of time with Forza Motorsport. But I have been looking forward to this game ever since a couple months ago when that... um, when that uh, Gran Turismo movie came out, that PlayStation Gran Turismo movie, because I went to the theater and I watched that. Um, I just love movies about cars or racing movies and stuff, and uh, I thought that movie was actually awesome. That movie, shout out to that. If you, if you, if you like car movies and stuff like that, or like sports kind of like feel-good stories, Gran Turismo is a really good movie. I, th- I highly rec- recommend it. But I saw Gran Turismo, and when that movie ended, I was like, shit, now I really want to go play like a sports racing sim game. Like I, I, I was excited to go play Forza. I was like, you know what? I'll just savor it. I'll just savor it because I, I'm feeling it. Like this is a good movie. I want to go play a sports racing sim type game. And obviously Forza Motorsport is coming out in just a few short months here. So I'll just I'll just wait. I'll just be patient and I'll play it when it comes out and hopefully it'll it'll kind of hit right. And uh I think it is. I think I think that that feeling hasn't gone away. Like this 
my enjoyment of that movie from recently it has definitely like heightened my enthusiasm for Forza Motorsport coming out because I'm a car guy. I love cars. I, I grew up, you know, I, I mean, since like my early high school days, I've been a pretty habitual, like top gear type supporter. Like half my YouTube subscriptions are to like random car channels. Like I, I love, I love car shit, but you know, in a very like surface level way. Like I love my, my JDM little rice, rice racers, Hondas and Subarus and shit like that. And, uh, I, I love, I love watching like car enthusiast type stuff, but like, I don't, I'm not super nitty gritty when it comes to my racing video games. I'd rather play like Mario Kart or Forza Horizon any day over like Forza Motorsport or Gran Turismo because like the super granular nerdy shit like oh look I changed the uh oh I changed the 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 tampers on the springs and now oh look my 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 freaking uh, my 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 I don't even sound like I'm at a lo- I'm at a loss for words <laughs> like despite general car enthusiasm i'm just i don't, I don't care about that shit i just I, I'm, I'm so surface level with my my enthusiasm for cars i'm like i don't i don't give a shit about adjusting my dampers or anything like that on my car like just let me fucking race let me let me hold the right trigger and go vroom you know so generally i don't go crazy for forza motorsport but every now and then i'll have to i'll have to play a little bit you know i played project gotham racing pretty extensively back in the day on the og xbox and then i played forza my first forza motorsport game was forza motorsport 3 um, I remember playing that a lot at a friend's house. I never owned it, but I used to play at his place a lot. It was kind of like the thing we did when we went to his house. And then my first Forza Motorsport I ever bought was 5, the one that launched um, with the Xbox One in 2013. And that's the most I've ever played a Forza Motorsport game. Um, and then I dabbled in 6 a little bit on Game Pass, and then I really just straight up didn't play 7 at all when it came out. So just wasn't feeling it. wasn't a good time for me to, to be into that kind of game. So really since then, most of my Forza time has been spent on Horizon. I've spent way more time playing Forza Horizon. I play Forza Horizon 2, 3, 4, and now 5. I love Forza Horizon. Great games. Um, but yeah, generally it's like motorsport, not really so much my thing. But I'm hoping that this can be... Kind of like how I did with Forza Motorsport uh, Five, where it's like, you know, I'm not I'm not about to become like a diehard like racing enthusiast who knows all the ins and outs about like sim racing, but you know, I want to spend a good like ten hours or so with the game and try to get a good feel for what all it has to offer. And, and right off the bat, I notice a lot that's different with this game since the last time I really sat with and played Forza extensively or Forza Motorsport rather. I really love the way this game, and of course, keeping in mind that this game is supposed to be kind of a fresh start for Forza Motorsport, kind of a platform for Forza Motorsport, as opposed to just the next entry in the series. I really love the way it kind of like the opening of the game kind of takes you through a lot of tutorializing the ins and outs of the game, showing you it's not just about racing. Like you can tune the difficulty of like of the game based on, a multitude of factors. It's not like bump it up to hard mode and the cars will be harder to race. You know, it's like, it's not like that. It's like, you can just get so granular and nerdy with it. It's like, do you want to have pit stops? Do you want to have penalties for things like knocking into other cars or driving off road? Do you want to like, what difficulty level do we want the racers to be at? And, and how do you want to, you know, do, do you want to have to worry about fueling up your car every, every now and then? And just all these different factors that you can tweak and mess with. And then they have like, of course the granular nerdy, tuning of your car buying parts adjusting it but the game is also like hey if you're like if you want to kind of get into this but you're not really sure how to do it just let the game kind of like show you what upgrades you should be gunning for to make a well-balanced upgraded you know refined racing vehicle so you can kind of like learn how to upgrade and tweak and play with your car by letting the system kind of automatically do it for you. And then it will show you like, these are the upgrades we chose. This is how we did it. And it's just like, I I really appreciate that this game 
for once is not just a super highly detailed nerdy racing simulator game, but it's one that kind of like is very good at the onboarding and accompanying newer racers and be like, Hey, do you, do you want to maybe actually understand how all this shit works and see if maybe that's something that you're into and that would resonate with you. And I, I really appreciate that because I feel like the game is doing a good job of giving me the opportunity to find out if this kind of game is really for me or not in the past. It's been so much of like, we just assume you know what to do. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't fuck you, go play something else. But this Forza Motorsport in particular just really feels like, like, like turn 10 studios was very cautious, uh, consciously aware of the fact that a lot of non sports sim type racing fans will be playing this game due to game pass. And so they did a really good job being like, how can we get people immediately? How can we, how can we kind of lock people in? This game does a very good job of being mindful of its gameplay dominant uh, player base um, by just really making those opening moments uh, just very accommodating to new players. And I think that's really got me hooked and got me into the game. It has a really fun opening. They kind of adopted the Forza Horizon style openings where, you know, it's like, oh, we're, we're cars have been around since fucking Henry Ford slapped the horse on the ass. And then it's like, you're in a fucking Bugatti racing around. It's like, sometimes cars go vroom and sometimes you got to buy one at a junkyard and make it happen yourself. And then like you transition and you're in like a fucking McLaren. And it's like, vroom, vroom, vroom. And you're zooming around. And it's like, but in this game, you can be a car guy all on your own. And then it's like, cool, create your character, pick your style. I'm like, okay, that's fun. It's cinematic. It gives you a taste of some different vehicles, kind of like tantalizes your palate and shows you what the game can be and then kind of opens up to give you like a big picture before it just gets into the the nitty gritty of like training you on all the aspects of what the game offers. And so I feel like the onboarding is really strong and that's led to a really a really pleasant opening hour and a half with the game. I've just now at this hour and a half mark finish kind of the opening tutorialized stuff that doesn't feel doesn't feel like oh here, here's how you do it now you try it feels very much like we're gonna put you in a race we're gonna let you have fun but we're gonna do a good job of teaching you why you're doing this and what you should be doing along the way so it's not like too handholdy but it's also very educational at the same time it's a very well done i guess is just what i'm trying to say so super big fan of kind of how the game opens up and, and handles things and and now i feel like i'm well equipped well equipped enough to enjoy 10 hours of dicking around in this game and in, in maybe not being a master of the game, but having a good enough understanding of what all the game has to offer to where I don't feel I don't feel lost. I feel like I'm getting some value out of playing the game. I'm getting some true valid enjoyment of the game rather than just like dicking around trying to pretend like I understand how room room sim cars work. So really feeling this opening bit of Forza Motorsport. The problem is, like, I'm I'm totally on board for like a good ten, maybe even fifteen hours of this game. Like, if if it's if if it grabs me enough, the problem is this game is coming up at such a bad time because I played it yesterday, I enjoyed a lot of it. Now I'm podcasting today, but tomorrow, Modern Warfare Three beta. I'm gonna be playing that all Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then Monday comes around, Sonic Superstars is out. Fuck, I'm gonna go play that. Then the next day, Halo Infinite Season Five. Fuck. Then the next week, Alan Wake 2's out, you know? And then it's like, all, all the shit just one. Shortly after that, Modern Warfare 3's out. It's like, god damn it already, okay? I can't, I just, I can't keep up. There's just too many games, definitely not enough time. And on top of that, like, I'm reaching the end of the whole, like, home building process. So I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be moving in, like, the next month, month and a half, two months or something like that. And so, like, I'm also, like, just prepared. I'm, like, mentally preparing that at any given point, I'm going to get the fucking phone call. Being like, hey, uh, it's 45 days out until your house is finished. 
go tell your apartment you're terminating your lease and get the fuck out of there. Start putting things in boxes and get ready to move. And, and like, I know that's going to be a nightmare. I know this, like everyone who buys a house, it's the same fucking thing where it's like they told us the move-in date would be this date, but it was actually pushed back two days to this day. And then the movers broke broke uh, my uh, the vase where we put my great-grandfather's ashes. And then we moved into the house and it had a fucking plumbing leak. And then uh, there was a fucking ghost in the bathtub and just all the things that happened. So I'm like, I'm mentally preparing myself that at some point in the coming like month or two, there's going to be a moment where I'm like, yeah, Force is good. Yeah, Sonic's good. Yeah, ooh, Payday 3. Ooh, what's this? Alan Wake 2, Modern Warfare 3. Boom. All right, no more video games. Put the Xbox in a box. I can't think about video games for like three weeks right now. Like, I just know there's going to be that point, and it's going to come out of nowhere and just hit me all at once, and then I'm going to have to basically just stop stop what I'm doing, like, in the middle of my tracks because it's such a busy year for gaming. But I got I got, I got real-world shit, unfortunately, that's uh, getting in the way of things. Boo-hoo, poor me. Um, so, yeah, that's the main thing I've been playing. I've also, I, I want to play Payday 3, but I, I refuse to play that game single-player, so didn't really dabble in that all that much. Disney Speedstorm, I did want to give that a try since the game is officially out now, quote-unquote, the free-to-play racing Disney game. That I, I played the beta for it last year. Gotta say, this game, it's fine. Mechanically, it feels good, but it is such an egregious mobile-first game. It's, it's funny because the game's not even on mobile yet. It comes to Android and iOS later. Right now, it's just on console and PC, but... It is such a fucking mobile game. Like, it just, it lets you do almost nothing. It's like, here are three tracks. Here's two characters. Fuck you. Go buy some shit. Go to the store, buy some credits, and unlock Johnny Depp. And I'm like, I'm not doing any of that shit, dude. So, Disney Speedstorm, it's a fun, competent little free-to-play kart racer. Um, I feel like it's kind of grubby and not very fun because of just how overly, um, overly, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, monetized it is. And it's just, again, it's like, <laughs> I've... No time. If I'm going to play... Listen, man. If I'm going to play a, a racing game right now, it's going to be Forza Motorsport. And if Forza Motorsport didn't exist and there was more time to schedule, you know what I'd rather play than Disney Speedstorm? I'd rather play Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, which comes out this month, but I'm definitely not playing because I just don't have time and money right now. So too much competition. Sorry, sorry Disney Speedstorm. Maybe if it was like five months ago, I would have played you, but no. So there's that. And then the final game I've been playing this week, and honestly, I thought this was the main thing I was going to talk about, but I ended up frustratingly putting it down is Sonic Frontiers The Final Horizon. So last week, I spoke briefly but very positively on this. And this week, I just the opposite. I got a lot to say, and it's not great. But So Sonic Frontiers The Final Horizon is the big free story DLC that came for this game um, almost two weeks ago. Wasn't really able to play it the first weekend it came out. I was away out of town with a friend, bachelor party. But last week, this past weekend, I was like, okay, it's Sonic time, baby. This weekend's all about Sonic Frontiers. Before Forza, before Modern Warfare 3, we're just dedicating some time to Sonic. So I'm, like, fully down to play my, my boy Sonic. And, uh, bro, this game, this game, this, this this DLC, it broke me. Because I played that first hour, and I, I was raving about it last week on the podcast. Because it opens up, it's got new cinematics, it lets you play as Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. It's awesome. They have really unique gameplay mechanics. It's super fun to play as them. There's all new things to do. So much content for a free story DLC. I cannot believe they're not charging 20 bucks for this. So good. That first hour, so, so good. I love it. There's so many nods to the old Sonic Adventure. It just basically feels like modern day Sonic Adventure. It's so cool. Everything they're doing with the storytelling and the multiple playable characters and some of the features they're bringing back and all this. I'm so happy about it. It's so great. Then after the first hour, you transition from Knuckles, Tails, and Amy and go back to playing a Sonic. And then the game turns to ass on shit. I don't know how else to describe it. It is, it is a piece of ass on a pile of shit, this game. 
because it does this thing that like Sonic games used to do back in like the mid aughts that I thought as an industry we had gotten away from. I didn't know this could still happen where Sonic team made the gross mistake of thinking that DLC should just be reused assets with the difficulty spiked all the way up. And I listen, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I love Sonic Unleashed, one of my favorite games of all time, most nostalgic games of all time for me. I adore Sonic Unleashed almost never say anything less than glowing about it. But if I'm being honest, just real talk, Sonic Unleashed had god-awful bullshit DLC. The DLC in Sonic Unleashed was like, here are new levels for all the different worlds in the game. And they're just reused assets from the core game, but they're impossibly hard. Like, here's level 3-4 for Apatos. And instead of being fun and three minutes of running around zooming at Sonic the Hedgehog like it was in the main game, this level is just insane obstacle courses, uh, black holes, pits, grind rails that you can't target properly, and you just fucking die and die and die and get game over repeatedly. That was like the DLC for Sonic Unleashed. Thankfully, we've come a long way in 15 years. We don't really get games like that anymore. We get a lot more of these games where it's like, meticulously crafted level design where maybe it's a little easier than games used to be back in the day, but it's not even necessarily about being easier. It's just about game design being smarter and more thoughtful. I mean, dude, even like, even like the Sonic game from 2017 that everyone hates Sonic forces, like that, that game had, had more thoughtful, fun level design in the, in the later game. But oh my God, dude, it's so, it's so night and day because Sonic Frontiers is such a great game with such masterful level design, such fun moment to moment gameplay. This DLC starts out so strong. It lets you play as Amy and Knuckles and Tails and all these new characters and super fun. It's like more of the base game, but now you get to play as different characters and it's awesome. And then you get to these Sonic sections where it's like, what should we do for Sonic? Since you played the, the 20 hour base game as Sonic, what should you do for this DLC when you play as Sonic? You literally just go in these obstacle courses that are so fucking pull your hair out ridiculously tough to do. It's like grind on this rail, boost on the rail, jump off the rail, and hope you land 3,000 yards in the in the, in the the northeast direction onto that tiny-ass rail in the distance and hope you don't fuck up. And if you don't if you don't land that rail, you fall down 9 trillion stories and you got to restart the whole obstacle course again. And then you get to the top of these fucking towers and they're like, now you must do a combat challenge where, like, you do these combat challenges where they time you. They're like, here's a minute and 20 seconds to kill 400 enemies and Sonic's stats are nerfed back to whatever the base stats are. We remove all your upgrades, all your level perks and everything you've done throughout the game and now you're just back to level one and you got a minute and 20 seconds to kill seven bosses like fuck you go and it sucks dude because the dlc was so good at first and the stuff they're doing with the story content is so good that it like broke my heart to see like it just turns into thoughtless bullshit dated archaic nonsensical hard just for the sake of being hard kind of gameplay and and the thing that really gets me is it's like dude when i was like 12 years old I would just deal with it. I would just throw my fucking controller at the wall and sit there all day on a Saturday and be like, oh, this is, I'm 12 years old and I have nothing to do. I don't have a car. I don't have money. I can't do anything. So like, it doesn't matter how hard this game is. This is what I'm fucking doing. I'm playing this until I beat it. I'm getting good. I'm literally getting good. But now I'm 28 years fucking old, dude. If Sonic Frontiers pisses me the hell off, I'm going to turn off my Xbox. I'm not throwing my controller. I think it costs too much money. I'm going to turn off my Xbox I'm going to go to Denny's, dude. I'm going to go fucking Denny's because guess what? I got a Honda and I got 20 bucks in my wallet and you can't stop me, Sonic. So, like, that's that's the difference here. It's like, why are you, why are you doing that to me as a long-term Sonic fan? Why are you trying to make me mad just to make me mad? There's too much competition. There's too many video games. There's too much to do. There's too much to entertain us these days. Why are you going to do this? Like, this isn't fun. So, why are you doing that? 
And then I think about the fact that, like, at its core, Sonic is a game that, it's made for kids, dude. I'm, I'm an outlier. I'm the 30-year-old fucking man that still likes Sonic. You're not supposed to like Sonic when you're my age. Your core audience is like 10-year-olds. Why the fuck are you going to make a game this hard for them? We're talking about a generation that grew up on Rocket League and a hat in time. Why the fuck are you going to make them play Sonic Frontiers extra difficulty FU dog shit mode? Like, that's so silly. So I, I don't really understand who this DLC is for. It's too hard for the kids that the game's aimed at, and it's just absurdly obtuse and archaic in its level design in a way that just, it reminds me of like the, I don't know, people always loved Sonic Heroes. I remember like I was a kid at the time where Sonic Heroes was like just coming out. I was like 11 years old when Sonic Heroes came out or whatever. So I remember like all the kids at school and church were like, yo, you play Sonic Heroes? You play Shadow the Hedgehog? You play Sonic Heroes? And I remember being, being like, I love Sonic, but Sonic Heroes sucks because the level de design sucks and it has ridiculous difficulty spikes for no reason and the controls are shit. In Sonic Frontiers DLC, these Sonic sections, it feels like that again. I'm like, wow, it's 2003 again. This game is so hard for no goddamn reason. Like, what do you? Why are you trying to weed out ten year olds right now? Like, what is what is your plan, Sonic Team? So, a little too Japanese for me. A little too fucking. I, I don't like the Sonic Elden Ring shit they're going for. It's not fun. So, I, I bumped the difficulty all the way down to easy mode. That helped me get through a lot of the bullshit, and I made it all the way to the very end. At the very end, they put you in a loop where you can't save, you can't restart, you just have to do a, a boss horde rush mode where you fight every boss from the entire base game, but on a harder difficulty now with like 400 seconds to do it, and every time you get hit, you lose time. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, fuck this. Literally, fuck this. So I turn off the game, I go to YouTube.com, I pull up a long play of the of the DLC and I just watch it. I'm like, I'm I'm in the last 15, 30 minutes of, of the game. I'm just gonna watch what happens. Skip through this fucking boss battle that sucks ass. Let me watch the cutscene. Let me see what I let me see what I would have gotten if this game wasn't so unnecessarily difficult. And I watched the final cutscene. I was like, that's cute. That's cool. As a Sonic fan, I enjoy that. I appreciate that. I would love to have the satisfaction of of earning that ending myself, but no fucking thank you. I'm not spending the next three weeks of my life mastering Sonic Frontier so I can enjoy the alternate ending from the free DLC that came out a year after the game. Like, no no way in hell. And it sucks because the game, the, the DLC offers it has new music, it has a new credit scene with amazing new music, it has some really cute heartwarming moments, and as a weeby little weird-ass Sonic fan, I love it. It's so perfect. Like, the music's amazing. The, the the new little story beats are so cute and fun. I love all of it. The new the new parts we get to play as the new characters are so good, but these Sonic moments suck. It's lazy. It's rehashed. It's just the difficulty amped up for the sake of being hard and nothing else, just to pad the time out, I guess. And uh, it's just it's so disappointing. So Sonic Frontiers: The Final Horizon. Hopefully hopefully it is the Final Horizon because I I don't want more of this shit. Um, it sucks so bad. I love Sonic Frontiers. I thought the base game was amazing. I love so many elements of this DLC, but this unnecessary difficulty spike, I just got filtered from a Sonic the Hedgehog game. I'm almost 30 years old. It's 2023, and I just got filtered by Sonic the Hedgehog. So there you go. That's it for what I've been playing. Shout out to Forza. Fuck you, Sonic DLC. Disney Speedstorm. Go back to iPhone where you belong. And uh, yeah, let's, let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump into the news. Damn, I mean, come on, man. If you, if you haven't listened to the music of Sonic Frontiers, you only have to play the game. Just just listen to the music, please, for the love of God. Dear Father, oh, oh, listen to, close your eyes, pretend you're in middle school on the school bus again, hoodie over your head, it's cold outside, that shit hits hard. Okay, news. We're talking about Xbox news. 
All right, guys, let's talk about all the stuff happening with Activision Blizzard, because it's fun for once. We're not talking about the CLA and the British people are saying, no, fuck that. We're talking about Activision games coming to Game Pass. Let's go. All right, so we got a couple of stores we're going to reference here. Um, mostly a hodgepodge of stuff from VGC and Windows Central. We'll get to the Windows Central stuff at the bottom here. But starting with the VGC stuff, Microsoft's reportedly set to finalize the Activision acquisition next week. According to sources speaking to The Verge, this is VGC relaying by way of The Verge, the, uh, the Xbox company is looking uh, at Friday, October 13th, that's uh, this Friday, this upcoming Friday, the day after this podcast goes live, as the potential closing date for the $68.77 billion deal. Um, so that means the next time we talk, the next time this podcast happens, Microsoft will probably officially own Activision Blizzard. So this is probably the last time Xbox on will ever happen where there's a Xbox is buying Activision. And next time we meet, it'll probably be the first time where it's Microsoft Xbox has bought Activision Blizzard. It's official. It's done. Call of Duty is now an official Halo character, so you will see Call of Duty running around in the next Halo game. Call of Duty will be able to jump, shoot, and, uh, and, and, and warthog his way through um, any Halo ring you can throw at him, so look forward to that in the future. But continuing on, with the big news in place, Activision has confirmed that it could start bringing its titles to Game Pass beginning in 2024. While Microsoft has said that it plans to offer as many Activision Blizzard games as possible on Game Pass uh, for console and PC, both new titles and games from Activision Blizzard's incredible strong category, um, this probably won't happen straight away. Activision Blizzard addressed the timeline for bringing titles to Game Pass in a statement released on Monday. They said, quote, as we continue to work towards regulatory approval for the Microsoft deal, we've been getting some questions whether the upcoming recent and recently launched games will be available through Game Pass. While we don't have a plan to put Modern Warfare 3 or Diablo uh, 4 into Game Pass this year, once the deal closes, we expect to start working with Xbox to bring our titles to more players around the world. So yes, it's intentionally ambiguous. Uh, and we anticipate that we will begin adding games into Game Pass sometime in the course of next year. End quote. So that, let's stop there. We'll get into the Windows Central stuff next because it's a little different. But um, let's just talk about this for a quick second. So apparently there's something about like how the whole, well actually let's not even get to that. Let me just, let me just get straight to the point. Because we're tired of talking about all the regulatory shit. So, specifically talking about Game Pass and Activision games coming to Game Pass. I'm going to stick to the same prediction I had this whole time all year. And and just and just say the same thing. My guess is that this deal gets done on Friday. We don't see anything come from it immediately. There's a couple like tweets and Wall Street Journal articles and oh today the big company bought another big company and whatever. Maybe you get a, a picture of like Master Chief, Master Chief and uh, and uh, Master Chief and Russell Adler from Black Ops Cold War like touching butts or something together. I I don't know. Maybe something like that happens. But my guess is that Modern Warfare Three comes out in a few weeks. Seventy dollars. People buy it by the millions. It's a good game. Call of Duty fans bitch and moan because they're the worst people in the world. Life goes on. Diablo 4 continues to act, uh, operate as it has since it came out earlier this year. And then at the Game Awards in December, Phil Spencer comes out on stage. He's like, I want to put every video gamer in the center of the universe. And I want to put video games in the, pow in the palm of their hands. Xbox will be bringing 27 titles from Activision Blizzard's excellent catalog to Game Pass. Oh, and those games will be available 
right now. And then Jeff Keighley will be there doing that thing where he like kind of like cradles back and forth, hugging his microphone with both hands. And he's like, wow, that's just an amazing, that's just an amazing accomplishment. It's an, it's just an amazing amount of value Game Pass has brought for players. It's great to see uh, Microsoft immediately getting to work, bringing more video games to more players through Game Pass. An excellent service. Thank you so much, Phil. Now on to another ad from Tencent or something like that. And then that's exactly how that will go. And we will get a splash screen and it will say Activision Blizzard and Xbox join forces. And they'll have like a, a splash screen of a bunch of fucking video game cases. And you will see like Black Ops, Black Ops 2, OG Modern Warfare, OG Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty Ghosts, everyone's favorite. You'll see fucking Skylanders, not really because you have to have the stupid plastic portal in order to play that game. You'll see Singularity. You'll see all these types of games, and they'll just be fucking prototype 1 and 2. You, you got not Guitar Hero. You get freaking Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Remaster that came out a few weeks ago, Crash, Spyro, um, Diablo 3 Complete Edition, uh, freaking Heroes of the Storm of Warcraft, Gwent, which isn't even an Xbox or Activision game, but they'll take it anyway, and you'll just get whatever. All this Activision Blizzard bullshit. They'll even put Overwatch in there, whatever. And they'll just be like, available today. And all those games, as soon as the game awards are over, those games are immediately loaded into Game Pass. Fuck you. Here's like 25, 30 Activision Blizzard games you can get right down to playing. That is my guess. And then we will go radio silent. And then sometime in January or February, we'll, we'll move on from there. I think Modern Warfare 3 and Diablo 4 do come to Game Pass and it's probably like a March or April type thing. Like once once those games come out later. That's that's kind of my feeling is like they're going to let the thing linger. They're going to kind of use the excuse of like, oh, well, the deal just went through. We're still crossing, dotting some I's and crossing some T's. And there's some transitional stuff happening. Right now, we're really not focused on content. We're just focused on like um, helping you know, acclimate Activision Blizzard people to Xbox and vice versa. And, you know, that will be the excuse. And then like on March 17th or fucking April, April 42nd or whatever the hell that is, they'll be like, Oh, by the way, modern warfare three and Diablo four are on game pass now, you know, like, or maybe that will be like a E3 type, you know, summer showcase type announcement. But I think there will be like a, a weird delay specifically for those two games and nothing else. That, that that Crash game that came out a few months ago and bombed that Crash Rumble game, Crash Team Rumble, that shit will be in Game Pass like by the end of the year, mark my fucking words. But Modern Warfare 3, Diablo 4, because they're going to be like, let's just, let's not stop the gravy train. Let's let the money roll in. Okay, and then and then when we've made like 90% of the money we're going to make off those games after the first year, then we'll put them into Game Pass. That's my guess. And then and then starting next fall with like Call of Duty Black Ops 5 or whatever the hell comes out, um, that's when you'll start to see like, okay, day one in Game Pass, et cetera, et cetera, all Activision games going forward. Day one in Game Pass, Sekiro 3 or whatever the hell they're making. I don't know. So that is my prediction. That is exactly what I think will happen. What Activision's doing is kind of like leaving the door open and being like, we're gonna say we're gonna talk while not saying anything, saying stay tuned to 2024. I don't think they're gonna wait that long. Xbox, I don't think wants to wait that long. I think they want to have some big, exciting thing at the Game Awards, and they want to have something big and exciting to cap off the year with. They want to say Hi-Fi Rush was a really fun surprise that got a lot of people. Um, yeah, Redfall was a big disappointment, but Starfield was a massive boon for us in the fall. And then, of course, Forza Motorsport was another great success, as those games always are. But we're not done yet. We're we're sending 2023 off with a bang. We want to let you know that next year is going to be even better. Here's a shit ton of Activision games. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So 
that's my prediction. That's where we stand on this. Uh, Activision is basically acknowledging, yes, these games are going to come to Game Pass soon, but we're, we're not really going to be specific about any of that. Because in a lot of ways, I, I, I'm betting these conversations really haven't happened all that much you know, between parties. I think Xbox has probably had these conversations internally more than they have directly with Activision, but I'm sure Xbox's plan is to, like, get this shit on Game Pass now. Like, bolster that catalog. As soon as, you know, as soon as, like, the holiday shopping season starts to slow down, and it's just, like, or I guess, I mean, uh, not holiday, I guess when the holiday shopping season is, like, kind of, like, towards, like, the middle or the, the thick of it, you know, like, that those early December days where people are buying Playstations and Xboxes for Christmas and things like that, just, Boom, big announcement. I think that's a really good boon for Game Pass, especially as you get near the holidays like that. But that's my prediction. And then we got another Activision thing to talk about. So Jez Corden, the the legend, the man over at Windows Central, had a really good exclusive article that came out this week going over a bunch of like... So essentially, Bobby Kotick had like this kind of meeting with um, with the teams at Activision Blizzard basically saying like, okay, so so we're being bought by Xbox. What does that mean? So it's like, so what? Where do we go from here? What questions and concerns do you have? Ameliar- let's, let's ameliorate this stuff. Let's get it all out on the table. Let's talk about this. And that was kind of the point of this meeting. And uh, it's a really good read. So Jez Corden put this up. He did all the work. So be sure to go over to Windows Central to read the full article. I've left out intentionally a lot of the quotes. And uh, towards the end, Jez puts a bunch of really good analysis and opinions towards the end. So if you want to get the full effect of this of this piece, go read it on Windows Central. But I'm going to touch on the main points, pull out the main ideas from this article so we can talk about them here together. Anyway, and then we can, uh, and then we can move on from there. But... Um, so yeah, let me just get into this. So from Windows Central, uh, I put as a pre as the Microsoft Activision deal draws to a close, and then we move into the article. Activision CEO Bobby Kodak has called an all hands meeting with Activision Blizzard King staff this week, hosted by none other than James Corden of you know the actor comedian guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I recognize the guy, but I'm not familiar with his work. Anyway, during the meeting, I don't know why they got him, but whatever. I guess this is what you do when you're a big company with a lot of money. During the meeting, Bobby Kodak. Reminisced about Activision's journey from independent to being under Vivendi and then to becoming one of the largest publicly traded companies. Kodak also discussed future tech, name-checked Guitar Hero, and hinted about the future of Activision Blizzard with Microsoft and what it may look like. James Corden asked how Bobby Kodak and Activision Blizzard leadership will retain its culture, which Kodak repeatedly described as magic and special during the discussion. Kodak emphasized his belief that Microsoft wants to acquire the company for the magic that represents all 15,000-plus staff with Activision, predicting that Microsoft will seek to maintain it moving forward. That's insane. They're just Microsoft just taking on 15,000 new employees. Um, in addition, changing gears a bit, uh, Bobby was asked about how that future of gaming, about to look ahead at the future of gaming and what it could mean for Activision Blizzard and Microsoft in terms of... Uh, as the as the as the two companies team up, uh, Cody Kotick discussed machine learning and AI, but also emphasized the need for more writers, actors, and to meet the growing expectations of gamers. He surprisingly name checked Elon Musk and his brain interfering uh, inter- interfacing uh, Neuralink technology as a potential way for the inter- uh, of interfacing with video games, which he describes as more visceral uh, medium than movies and other forms of entertainment. I feel like Bobby's doing like a lot of like good typical PR speak while also not really saying a whole lot. Um, Kodak also discussed technological innovations, um, mentioning how mobile devices 
took gaming to um, from a fairly expensive middle-class pursuit in developed nations in the early days to a global phenomenon. Xbox lead Phil Spencer often talks about Microsoft's goal to reach the world's 2 billion gamers, and mobile devices will naturally be a part of that strategy. However, Kodak also interested in discussing future texts, such as Elon's neural link, uh, is also interested in things like VR as well. Uh, Kodak began discussing how Microsoft research could aid with the pursuit uh, while heavily hinting at Guitar Hero, saying, quote, a big part of what I've seen at Microsoft is research, and they do development in areas that are extraordinary. And so being able to trap in, or tap into their AI and machine learning capabilities and data analytics, uh, new ways of thinking about graphics, I just see unlimited potential for what we do, said Kodak. We're uniquely situated as a company because we have the very best franchises in all video games. I don't know about that. Kodak looked... Uh, ahead at the next 10 years of gaming, reminiscing about transformative titles from Activision's back catalog like Pitfall, River Raids, and Kaboom uh, of decades past. Kodak also name-checked Guitar Hero, hinting that it's currently on the path to revival, saying the reemergence of Guitar Hero and other things would not be possible without the different types of resources. And so, you know, just the endless possibilities for the future are just incredibly exciting. Uh, Kodak signed off by presumably referencing machine learning graphics technologies and DLSS that enable lower power devices to access more inex uh, more immersive visuals, typically associated with high-end PCs and more expensive gaming laptops. So, all right, there's a lot of ways we can attack this here, so I'm just going to kind of rant and, and, and just say shit and then hopefully feel like we uh, covered it comprehensively. So, let's talk in a broad sense. It seems like very, like, PR stuff. I don't know, like, I've been at this stuff with my my job too, where it's like someone high high up the company does like some kind of like Q and A with the team, and like people ask like vague questions, and then you get like kind of like I don't know. It's like it's interesting, it's fun to listen to, and it's fun to think about, but then you walk away feeling like I don't feel like I really you know I don't feel like I really understand a whole lot walking away from this. It's just kind of like almost like vagueness and platitudes were spoken. And that's kind of the feeling I get from this a little bit, where Codex like oh man um. You know, Microsoft uh, Microsoft is just interested in tapping into magic. They need magic. We have magic. We have the best video game franchises. We have the best developers. That's what we need. And he's like, oh, yeah. Well, Microsoft's really good at AI, and they're really good at research and technology, and those kinds of tools will, will be able to make our games even better than they are right now. Um, oh, but also to be sensitive to the writer's strike. Uh, yeah, we need lots of writers and artists and, and, you know, people making video games as well. So I'm sure Microsoft will hire a lot of those things. Listen, he's, he's not going to be in charge anymore. It's not going to be his company. Uh, Activision's not going to be held accountable stock-wise to the decisions Bobby Kotick makes. It's going to be held accountable to Microsoft's stock price. And Microsoft's stock price is not going to be determined by anything Activision's doing. It's going to be determined by Azure and AI and Bing and Office and you know, all these things that Microsoft does that are so much more important on a global scale than video games. So it's just one of those things where it's like, he's just saying anything and everything because who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. Once, once Activision's delisted from the, from the stock market and, and from the stock exchange and uh, it's just, it just gets lumped into Microsoft. It's like, I don't, I'll say whatever you want to hear, man. Yeah. We need writers. We need human hands making video games. Is that what you want to hear? I don't fucking know. We also need, we also need AI and really interesting development and technology to, to make our games even more powerful and, and interesting than they are before. Oh yeah, yeah. We also need to make meet gamers where they're at. Find people in lower, uh, you know, in more developing nations around the world who have access to like low end cell phones and things like that, and find ways to get really powerful games uh, accessible on those devices into that market. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to find a uh, yeah. If I, you know, Microsoft's just trying to get into game. You know, whatever. Just saying anything and everything, and it's like. 
I don't think he's making it up. I don't think it's all bullshit. I think these are things that are true that Microsoft cares about these things and that these are benefits of Activision in ways that the two brands can can synergize together and all that. It's just but it also just sounds like he's kind of paying lip service while not actually really committing to anything. So I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, a huge part of Activ- or Microsoft's interest in buying Activision is their their mobile pursuits. They want to have their own kind of mobile store on iOS and Android to compete with the mobile app stores. They want to have their own marketplace. They want to have uh, really excellent games on mobile to kind of dominate that space so that Game Pass and Xbox can be more than just a box that sits in your living room in front of your TV. You know, so they're trying to expand and and, 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 and go crazy with this stuff. And Activision, their mobile efforts are a huge part of, of reaching that. You know, King is a huge part of this, as we learned throughout uh, the past year of, of, of all the legal proceedings, is that Microsoft is very interested and very eager to get King and all the mobile shit that comes with Activision. So I believe it all. I believe it all. I, yeah, and I believe that Microsoft's obsession with research and development and technology can really help further fuel um, things at Activision. But I don't know. I think that's not really what people want to know. I think what people want to know is it's like I, whose jobs are going to be rendered redundant? Who's going to be who's going to be fired as a result of this merger? You know, this acquisition rather. And people probably want to know things like. Um, is Activision continue, going to continue to kind of operate independently, kind of like Bethesda's doing, or or are they are they going to be like kind of uh, m- micromanaged by Microsoft? Or like, what's what's the plan there? Are are game developers at Activision going to be given more free reign to make different types of games and do whatever they want, or is the Call of Duty machine going to continue to stay in place as is and has has been for the foreseeable future? Like, what 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 all what all does this mean? Like, these are the questions we want to know, right? And a lot of this I, I realize is is stuff that we really won't be able to talk about in any detail meaningful detail until it happens right like that's like when when will we know what microsoft only activision means for you know raven software's ability to ever make a game that isn't call of duty again i don't fucking know we won't know until we know and that's that's unfortunately just the vague nonsensical but realistic grounded answer that we have to all contend with so i don't know there's not much else to say here other than like it's just cool to see after nearly two years of us going back and forth on this deal, having to constantly think about it, talk about all this stuff, it's just really nice to be in a place where it's like, hey, this deal is happening. And here's Bobby Kodak basically saying to the guys, like, brace yourselves. It's coming. <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't know. It's all out of my hands. I made out like a fucking bandit. I got my money. Good luck, everyone. Um, but then there's, I mean, we could put that on ice because I guess there's not really much else for me to say there. But then there's also like this kind of like he slips out like, hey, Guitar Hero's coming, coming back. Uh, Bobby Kodak has talked about Guitar Hero like in an exemplary, in a, an example kind of way on multiple occasions. And it's just kind of odd that he always brings it back up. So it's, it doesn't seem coincidental. It seems pretty freaking clear at this point that like we're, we're getting, we're getting Guitar Hero back. And I'm just really curious as to like how it's going to work and what that means because they did Guitar Hero Live in, what was that, 2016, I want to say? And it just didn't it didn't work. It didn't pop off around the same time. Rock Band 4 came out. They tried to bring back Rock Band over at Harmonix. Didn't happen. And so I just wonder, it's like, how are we bringing back Guitar Hero? And what is, what is the plan that you think, what's the idea behind it that's going to, make it work this time because i think the last time was like there's a small core group of people like myself who want guitar hero to come back and and, and want to will back into existence that time and place again but 
I think the majority of people, it's like they've moved on. Like, what? What is this? Like, we're bringing back Guitar Hero thing. Keep coming up again. Like, who's making it? What's going to happen? Who's going to like? Wh- how's it going to be different? How's it going to make people care again? And I just, I don't know. Bobby Cody keeps keeps talking about it. And it's just like, what? You know? But I mean, he says literally. Um, he says we're uniquely situated as a company because we have. Uh, no, 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 no. Where does he say it? Yeah, here it is. The reemergence of Guitar Hero and other things would not be possible without the different types of resources. So he's literally just, you know, unless he's referencing Guitar Hero Live from like six or seven years ago, which I don't think he's fucking doing. Um, I mean, yeah, he's he's, he's saying, he's alluding to something that isn't announced yet. It's like, hey, Guitar Hero's coming back. And this, this is because of, this is because of the types of resources from Microsoft. I mean, maybe it's because he's saying like Activision doesn't do hardware internally. We had to outsource those things and that was an expensive thing. But now being part of Microsoft, they have hardware teams and they could, you know, they have a, a peripherals team. They have a, I mean, think about it. Like if Xbox owns Activision and they bring back Guitar Hero and they make a new version, a Guitar Hero guitar controller would be an official Xbox periphery, peripheral. Like it's a, it's a, it's, you know, it's not like, um, it's not like, oh yeah, Mad Cats makes the Guitar Hero controllers or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. A Guitar Hero controller would be an officially, an officially created and licensed Xbox, not licensed. It would just be an official Xbox controller input device. Like it, like, like, like the Xbox controller, like the accessibility pad, like all that stuff. Like it would be an actual Xbox first party device. So like, I, I guess that's what he's probably saying is like. My guess is a lot of why Guitar Hero went away is it's like just the cost of like outsourcing the hardware manufacturing just drives up the cost of the game so much, but you want to be able to sell it at an effective price. But, you know, if, if you're part of Microsoft, you think about it, it's like Guitar Hero is just a service type game accessible through Game Pass. You can buy additional songs with real world money and you can buy a Guitar Hero controller which is affordable and possibly and easy in to to be made because Microsoft makes hardware and they have you know company you know they have teams that that do this stuff. So you make an official Xbox Guitar Hero controller. You make X, uh, Guitar Hero this platform on Game Pass that has like fifty free songs, and then you constantly add new content that people can just buy. You know microtransactions to add new songs to their library. I'm like. Yeah, I mean, it, it really fixes the Guitar Hero problem, which is just people don't want to drop a hundred bucks for a new Guitar Hero game to get a plastic guitar in a game. But you know, if you sell a seventy dollar guitar and then your Game Pass subscription gets you Guitar Hero with a bunch of free content, included content, like that might be a good way to penetrate a large ooh penetrate a large audience of people who are like, yeah, I miss Guitar Hero, or ooh, I I wasn't really around for the Guitar Hero thing. Let me let me give that a go, you know. And make it accessible on mobile as well, where you can play like a tap version, where you just tap on the on the fucking colors and you play the song or whatever. Like, I, I mean, I guess if you want to look at it that way, that's the way where you can make it make sense that like Microsoft is the key to bringing back Guitar Hero. But again, it's like even though all those things make sense on paper and it excites me because I love Guitar Hero, I just gotta ask the rest of the world who the fuck gives a shit about Guitar Hero anymore? Like, it's it's dead, it's over, it's long gone. And like, man, I'm like. It, it was getting bad 15 years ago when Guitar Hero was at its peak where like music was just straying further and further away from like musical instruments making sounds. But like, I mean, bro, it's 2023. You can listen to the radio for three hours and not hear a single drum kit or guitar. I mean, you might hear, you might hear beats 
but they're they're not coming from a drum kit. They're coming from computers. You're not hearing guitars at all. Like everything today is just pop music. It's just electronic music. It's hip hop and art, hip hop and rap. Like, and that's no disrespect to those genres and that music, but like, let's be honest, man. Like, other than like nostalgic rock music, like they're rock and roll's dead, man. Like, what what are we bringing back Guitar Hero for? I guess if anything, we should be bringing back DJ Hero. It's just, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It just seems. Again, I fucking love it. I'm still out here listening to my freaking Warped Tour emo kid music. I'm still I'm still nostalgic for Guitar Hero 3. I still enjoy Guitar Hero. I I was one of the five people that bought Guitar Hero Live. I was one of the zero people that bought Guitar Hero Live on the Wii U of all devices. But, like, I don't know, man. It just seems... It just doesn't seem like the timing makes sense, even if, um, like, the logistics of who can make it and how you package the uh the product and, and deliver it to the consumer makes sense with xbox at the helm of of activision's ip and all that the the, the creative stack I, I suppose i don't know so anyway i just want to touch on all that stuff just think it's interesting it's really fun to be able to talk about activision blizzard stuff in the sense of like ooh, activision games coming to game pass activision games being owned by xbox as opposed to being like well the cma uh was worried that anime titties shouldn't be uh subject entirely to xbox and that playstation gamers deserve access to game pass because game pass sometimes has rock solid anime titties like I'm, I'm so glad we're past talking about the british people and their love of anime titties and that we can move on with our lives talk about things like this next story and really only other story it's kind of a smaller news not slow but smaller news week like i'm enjoying everything we have to talk about but we just don't have as much as usual so one other story and it's uh another another really fun one but let's talk about disney i I swear to god this this week is all about me like you ask the xbox news gods like what are we going to talk about this week they're "Mm, halo and racing and call of duty and disney and sonic i'm like Fuck yeah, dude. Keep more keep it up, bro. Keep it more of that Xbox news, please and thank you. But anyway, let's talk about Disney because <laughs> it's uh, it's video game news this week. All right, from Video Games Chronicle, Disney CEO Bob Iger uh or sorry, Disney CEO Bob Iger's deputies are reportedly pushing him to consider acquiring a major gaming publisher like Electronic Arts. That's according to a new Bloomberg feature examining the current state of Disney, which claims senior executives want Iger to explore the possibility of transforming the company from a gaming license to a gaming giant with major first-party capabilities. However, Disney's boss is said to still have been uh, noncommittal about the prospects of acquiring a gaming publisher. Iger, who is now in his second run as Disney CEO, oversaw the acquisition of Pixar, Marvel Entertainment, Lucasfilm, and 21st Century Fox during his first spell in charge. As well as working on various Star Wars titles, including Respawn Star Wars Jedi series, EA announced last year that it had struck a deal to make several new games based on Marvel properties, including Iron Man and Black Panther titles. The new site, Puck, uh, claimed that EA had held talks with Disney, Apple, Amazon, and Comcast NBC Universal over potential sales. During an earnings call last summer, EA CEO Andrew Wilson was asked about reports of the company um, pursuing a sale, to which he said, first, I'm sure you don't expect me to comment on rumors and speculation for some small red media outlets, but as it may be, I would like to tell you, I think we're in an incredible position. 
were soon to be the largest standalone independent developer and publisher of interactive entertainment in the world. It's basically his way, his way of saying, once Microsoft owns Activision, we will be the de facto largest publisher of games in the world of in, you know independent, you know, not one of the big three, Nintendo, Sony, and uh, Microsoft. So you, you might remember that story. We talked about that last year when that was said. We talked about... EA um, talking about wanting to position themselves, having possible suitors like Apple and Amazon and Disney and Comcast. And so we had that conversation back then. I think you might remember, basically, it probably boiled down to me just being like, eh, consolidation's bad. I don't want the industry to consolidate. I hope no one buys EA. EA should stay independent. Um, that was basically my 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 uh, take back then. And I still largely stand right by that. In fact, I still I still stand entirely by that. However, let's talk about this because now this is the second time this has come up and now we're starting to get more murmurings on Disney. So we know EA's got a little bit of a a little bit of a like a, a boner for maybe getting acquired. They're like, oh, we're independent. We're awesome. We're the biggest. But, you know, we're also up for sale if the right price comes our way. And then now on the other side, we're seeing uh, people close to Bob Iger, Disney CEO, is saying are saying, uh, yo, Bob. You haven't bought enough shit. Marvel, Star Wars, 20th Century Fox. I mean, freaking uh, freaking National Geographic. I mean, it can it can only get more Disney from National Geographic. We might as well just go ahead and buy EA games because nothing says Disney like John Madden. Because nothing says because <laughs> nothing says Disney like Apex Legends. Um, so f- fuck me, but. This would be interesting if this happened because I'll avoid my knee-jerk consolidation is bad argument because I think if you've ever listened to Xbox on for more than 20 seconds, you know I, I bitch about that all the time. Yes, I don't like consolidation. I would like more independence, more competition, more variety. I think that is the spice of life. Uh, but let's not take that angle. Let's just talk about it in some other freaking ways because... I have the unique opportunity to talk about this from the perspective of not only a fan of video games and, and someone who follows video game related news, but as a as a big nerdy ass Disney fanboy, I have the ability to talk about it that way. And and the reason I find this so interesting in a hypothetical way is because this is the one way in which Disney has never interfaced with the games industry. And I know I've ranted about it once before on this podcast a long, long time ago, uh, but because probably none of those people still listen to this podcast from back in those days, and everyone who's listening today is probably entirely different, I, I will reiterate, as a big Disney fan, as someone who has a lot of love, especially for Iger era Disney, like eight, like 90s, early 2000s Disney, and then all the way back to, of course, the Walt years and just kind of the cultural and artistic impact that the Walt Disney Company has had on not just animation, not just theme parks, but on like human culture. I mean, like Disney, people, we laugh because Disney's such a monster. It's such a machine of a of a fucking consumer driven uh, product montage of crapness these days that we forget it's like the the animation the art the characters the stories the the innovations that disney's brought to the forefront in the in the in the 20th century are so are so like profound and influential that like we you see the effects and the influences of disney all over the world in all different countries and all times in all forms of entertainment movies tv fucking travel and like physical entertainment like places to explore and vacation things like Disney's awesome. They have, they have a really profound and lasting impact because, because of their commitment to really high quality work. Um, and I, and I'm mostly st- talking about old Disney cause I kind of, I kind of fucking hate modern Disney. But the reason I bring that up is because I think it's kind of so sad and such a missed opportunity 
that the Walt Disney Company never had the foresight or or I guess the, the the visionary in charge to really appreciate gaming because I think at its core, video games are such a Disney thing and Disney could have been such a really influential and big and awesome player in the game space had they gotten in in their from the from the inception from the early days you know Walt Disney died in 1966 which is a couple years before video games were really a thing in the 70s and 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 even a, a few years before it was like really really a thing like where the arcade scene starts busting and like the home consoles start happening with like Ataris and shit like in in you know the late 70s and into the 80s where where it starts to really take off you know before the well I guess the 80s is when the game crash happens before but you know what I mean? Like video games as we know them today, the home console, things like this, the NES, 1985, Super Mario Bros, stuff like this. Disney was around for all that stuff, the Walt Disney Company. But the like the visionary, the man, Walt Disney, he was gone. And like his kind of like zany, wacky brain that could like look at something in entertainment and be like, I, I got to do my, I got a weird way of doing this. I'm, I'm going to go fucking make a feature length film about a cartoon for the first time. And then I'm going to go build a fucking progress city about like a, a place where like smart people can come together and build technology that will cure cancer and, and homelessness and, 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 and world hunger. Like I'm going to go build a fucking community and then I'm going to go die of cancer. Like that, that was Walt Disney. And I feel like that man or like that era of that company, at least whether it was that man or someone else who worked alongside him would have probably had the appreciation and the foresight to be like, Hey, interactive entertainment, like video games, like this is, this is cool. Like we can do something here. Let's, let's get in on this. But unfortunately the Disney that was around and in charge during the time where console gaming really came to the forefront. And then once you get out of the, 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 um, the gaming crash and into like the, you know, Genesis versus SNE or versus NES and then SNES versus Genesis kind of years and all that, that Disney is so far removed and uninterested in gaming. And it's really sad because the only role Disney played in gaming during those really formative, really important years is just as a licensee. Like they just, we own Lion King, we own Aladdin, we own Mickey Mouse, whatever, whatever, acclaim Konami, whoever the fuck, just give us money here, go make a thing with our characters, go do it. And so, yeah, we, of course, you know, we all grew up, oh, I'm a 90s kid, I'm an 80s kid, we all love the Genesis version of this Disney game, the NES version of this of this Disney game, and that that's great. Um, but, like, I just feel like the same Disney that was able to look at, like, essentially like carnivals and like nonsensical shitty Ferris wheels and crap and be like Disneyland, <laughs> you know, like that, that company or the company that was like looking at like silly little slapstick cartoons and like, and like talky cartoons and shit and, and be like mm, snow white and the seven dwarves and like come up with that kind of shit. Like the company that had the creativity and the genius and the attention to detail and the care and the, all that they could have done such a great job of throwing their hand in video games and be like, what have we tried to make these? What could we do? And I think like there's a huge alternate history that could have been really fucking beautiful where Disney got into gaming at the beginning. They started their own development company. They, they, they hired the right people and got to work and tried to think like, what can we do? How can we influence gaming? Who knows? Maybe they would have come up with a game just as big as super Mario bros if they fucking tried, you know, but they didn't, they just licensed out their shit lazily. And then, in the early 2000s, we get the Disney that's like, you know what? We're going to try to take it in-house. And they did like Buena Vista Games, which became uh, Disney Interactive eventually. And they acquired some developers. Um, 
and, and eventually, you know, eventually they had like their own internal teams. But everything they did was like really tertiary to what they were doing in their theme parks and with their movie studios. And so it was like, yeah, we got like freaking Avalanche and you're going to make a fucking spinoff movie game for Toy Story or whatever. It's going to be budgety. And don't get me wrong. I'm I'm a product of the early 2000s. I adore all those cheap, shitty licensed movie games. I have such an affinity for that kind of stuff. I grew up playing fucking Cars, the video game and all that stuff. Like I, I eat that shit for breakfast. I love it. But. Again, it's like in that era, we transitioned from we're just going to license out our shit to other players to like we're going to have like one toe in the water. We're going to have a developer, but we're not going to give big budgets and we're not going to really invest in the medium. We're just going to kind of throw a couple dollars and be like, give us something to help promote a new movie, like make a chicken little game to help promote our new chicken little movie like that kind of shit. And so when Disney had the talent and had the kind of infrastructure in, in some form or fashion, albeit a weak one, to make games in-house and do stuff like that, they squandered it, they never really saw the potential, and they didn't do a whole lot with it. And then, in 2016, well, actually, I should say, towards the end of it, that they, they, they started to kind of do something special with it with Disney Infinity, and then they fucking threw it in the trash. Bob Iger, by the way, current Disney CEO, he's the motherfucker responsible for getting out of gaming, shutting down the gaming division, um, disbanding Avalanche, firing all those fucking people, canceling Disney Infinity, getting out of games altogether like that. This is the motherfucker responsible for that, by the way. But ever since then, 2016, they've gone back to kind of who they were in the 90s and stuff by being like, yeah, we'll just license out our shit. Let's make a 10-year Star Wars agreement with, uh, with EA and they can just make stupid fucking Star Wars games that are just okay for like 20 years or whatever the fuck they want to do. And that's kind of where we are today. It's like, Listen, I love Marvel's Spider-Man on PS5. I think it's a great game. Really jealous that I'm not going to get to play the new one because I don't have a PS5. Love those games. Great games. Miles Morales, great games. I played Star Wars Battlefront 1 and 2 on Xbox One. Uh, They're fine. I don't really give a shit about them. I played Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I think it's a little overrated, but it's pretty impressive. I love Respawn Entertainment. I'm really impressed that they were able to make that kind of game considering what kind of games they normally make. But, like, eh. But, like, I, I don't know. I just can't help but think, like, it just would have been so cool if Disney had taken video games really, really seriously all the way back into like the eighties or something and had really uh, established themselves as a dominant player in the space. Because I feel like a Disney that pays attention to gaming the way that they do movies or the way they do theme parks would be really, really good for the games industry. I I think and there have been a couple times throughout Disney history where they kind of did cool shit. And then it was either half-baked or under budget or just not, you know, just not invested in enough to really see it fleshed out. But the idea was there, like the Epic Mickey games or or Disney Infinity or like uh, we, we talked about Split Second the other week, the really cool racing game they did. Um, but unfortunately, it's just Disney's always been like they've always been in lazy licensing mode or one toe in the water, but not all the way in. And I just feel like. If they if they went and now and now we come back to the story, <laughs> if they if they went and they were like, hmm, let's try to acquire EA Games. I think that's lazy. I think that's kind of weak. It's just like you're taking a history company that has nothing to do with Disney, has no shared DNA with Disney. Is you know EA is as Disney as fucking uh, uh, I, I don't know like uh, fucking Johnson and Johnson baby shampoo. I don't know. And it's just one of those things where like, yeah, it could be cool to have a publisher that's like, hey, we're here to make games for Disney and make Disney games and also like synergize with this big corporation that kind of is soulless now, but whatever. It's just that this wouldn't be the same thing. 
because um, the Disney that the Disney that exists today owns things like Family Guy and Simpsons and National Geographic and all this bullshit. And there's nothing Disney about those brands and the ways they utilize those brands and and continue to operate them is so insanely inauthentically Disney that I feel like that same Disney that exists today would buy a company like EA Games and continue to allow EA Games to just be so inauthentically Disney. You would just continue to get uh, FC Soccer and Madden Football and Apex Legends Season 37 and a bunch of Star Wars games that are ranging from okay to who gives a shit. Um, and, and I just feel like, I don't know, that's lazy. Like, it's lazy for Disney. It wouldn't really serve Disney at all because Disney does such a bad job of making smart acquisitions and partnerships that really feel like Disney. Like they've watered down their own brand so much in recent years with the acquisitions and partnerships they've made. And I feel like this would be another one of those. This would be like those stupid little Disney pop-up stores they have in Target that just kind of water down their theme park merch by selling freaking Disney World merchandise at your local Target. Like it's just, I don't know, it's like... Clearly, the Disney that's in charge right now doesn't understand the Disney brand at all. They know how to make money for sure. They know how to make money, but they don't. They don't really understand Disney, and I don't. I, I just don't want to see them get any bigger than they already have. I think 21st Century Fox was about 20 steps way too far, and the last thing we need for them to do is um, <laughs> is we need for them to um acquire acquire the <laughs> the publisher behind It Takes Two. I don't. I don't fucking know, but I don't know. That's that's kind of my two senses. I would have loved to have seen a Disney that took video games seriously and got involved. I don't think this is the way to do it, but it would be interesting because this would be the closest we've ever seen to them taking video games truly seriously, truly hands-on because we've seen them license. We've seen them half-ass do it in-house, but we've never seen them do it like full steam ahead, super serious, hardcore in-house. I just, I just don't see a world where EA would ever truly feel like Disney. Like for as much as I shit on star Wars, Star Wars is a really savvy purchase for Disney. There's a lot of history behind George Lucas, um, Steve Jobs, you know, the old guys at Disney. I, I feel like there's a lot of synergy behind these companies. There's a lot of history behind these companies or between these companies like Pixar, Star Wars, like it or hate it. These brands all work together with Disney. It's fine. But again, now we live in a world where it's like fucking ESPN and National Geographic or Disney. I don't fucking know why. I don't know how fucking the bachelor, the bachelor is a Disney show somehow make that, make that make sense. Please. For the love of God. Uh, anyway, it's ABC. We're going to ABC's talk now. We don't got to talk about that anyway. So that's, that's it. That's all, that's all I had to say. I just, I don't know. I just Disney company's kind of hurting right now. They're fucking up. They're screwing up because the movie studios are sucking real bad right now. The writer's strike is hurting them. What they need to do is worry less about everything else and focus on your fucking theme parks that, that, can and sometimes do and used to always kick ass so like put all your uh, disney put all your money in epcot and microsoft go make another halo game please thank you please finish the story of halo 5 please and thank you that's it for this week go go eat a cracker barrel goodbye guys all right no schizophrenic uh tourette's moment over and that's going to do for this week's news, you guys. Let's wrap up with the important enough news stories. These are the stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions. Gee whiz, I wonder why this podcast isn't a, is it more popular. Now, the the guy, the, the podcast host, um, two stars, podcast host sounded like he was um, strangling thin air talking about Epcot, which I don't know what that is. Is that a Disney thing? Um, I'm scared. Please help me. I'm going back to Podcast Unlocked. Get me out of here.
Anyway, let's talk about our first uh, little wrap-up story here. Uh, v, uh, Ubisoft has labeled Assassin's Creed Mirage as the biggest new-gen launch in terms of unit sales, although they didn't specify the unit sales. They just gave some bullshit Xbox type of data being like, well, since uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage has launched, uh, 670 billion uh, uh, assassin t- jumps have been performed and things like that. So, uh, But the game's been out since October 5th, and they say that, yeah, it's the biggest uh, launch that they've had for current gen hardware xbox series ps5 that kind of thing so there you go Uh, going back to the roots looks like it's panning out for them the game's doing quite well although i'd love to see some sales numbers next up bethesda's released starfield's latest update for xbox and pc headlining the additions is the new fov slider which is awesome as well as some stability improvements for pc players and such and finally here a live action project based on cyberpunk 2077 is currently in development uh, in the early stages. According to CD Projekt Red, a live-action project will be set in the world of cyberpunk and handled by indie global media company Anonymous Content. So, we'll have to see more on that in the future. And that's actually going to do for all of our news this week. It is a little thinner of a news week, but uh, again, as you can tell, I enjoyed I enjoyed what we had to talk about. But uh, let's wrap up the podcast now, you guys, with the final and best segment, the, the comments, listener comments, shout-outs. You go over to YouTube.com. Go to Xbox on Podcast, hit subscribe while you're there, leave a five-star review on Spotify or podcast services. Please, for the love of God, be nice to me. I'm very insecure about my podcast rating, and if I don't get a five-star, I will cry. And uh, leave a comment on the latest episode of the podcast while you're over there at YouTube.com. You can say whatever the hell you want. You can say something nice like, Jesse, um, I appreciate your insight as a Disney lover and a Sonic fan. It really helps me to further understand the Xbox brand. Or you can say, Jesse... Um, this is the worst Xbox podcast of all time. You spent 20 minutes talking about uh, Sonic the Hedgehog being too hard, and you spent like 30 minutes talking about how Walt Disney would have built a video game console if he were alive past 1966. And uh, honest, honestly, I'm just I'm just gonna go back to listening to the fucking Xbox Two podcast. And so that's fine. Enjoy it. Great podcast. All right, we got like seven or eight entries today, so let's get right into it. Arctic Chief, the man, the myth, the legend, writes in and says, Hey, Jesse and friends. My wife and I spent the last week in Washington State for a wedding and vacation. Man, it was beautiful. We didn't get a chance to see everything we wanted due to the weather and traffic. However, we did get to visit Nintendo of America and got to see Xbox Game Studios. None were allowing public access, which was a bummer, but visiting them was enough. That's awesome, man. I'm sure that'd be super cool. That's something I'd love to do one day, so... I- Glad you guys got to do that. I hope it was fun. Uh, You said, I fell down the unfortunate rabbit hole of collecting Pokemon cards again. The new 151 Kanto set exclusively. I spent about $250-ish on them so far and managed to get 147 out of 165 different cards in my set. That's actually pretty good. I feel like so far, if you can finish the set for under 400 bucks, I feel like you did okay. Uh, my biggest struggle now in in the uh, is the cheapest booster set you can get is the Snorlax bundle, which is fifty two bucks minimum. I refuse to overpay. Other than that, I saw a new trailer for Halo Infinite. Achieving Master Chief, Master Rank will grant you Master Chief's armor core. I'm a sucker for that stuff, so I reinstalled the game. Now wish me luck. Well, yes, absolutely wish you luck. I'm excited to hear. Yeah, let me know what you think about Season 5 next week. I'm very much looking forward to Season 5 of Halo Infinite as we talked about at the top of the show. But, dude, it's funny you mentioned this Pokemon card 151 thing. And we'll talk about Xbox comments in a minute. But I don't know why this pod, this comment ended up at the top. Maybe just because I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a crush on RTG. I don't fucking know. But uh, it's funny you mentioned this because as I was talking about the other week on the on the show, I just got into Disney Lorcana, which is that new um, Disney card game that's basically like Pokemon or Magic the Gathering, but for Disney. Um, that's made by Ravensburger. 
um, the the board game company or whatever. And um, so I, I'm really into that. And it's been a long time since I've been into card games. I liked Pokemon a lot when I was a kid. I liked the card game. And then I, I was really into Magic the Gathering for a while there in high school. Um, so, like, I, I've, I've dabbled in and out of these things. I'm familiar with these things. And it's funny you mention it because, like, one of my buddies, I was like, bro, are you into Lorcana? Are we doing this together? I, I need someone to go down this rabbit hole with me, please. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, bro, well, the week it came out before they all sold out, I managed to get myself a deck. I got I got a starter set. I got some Lorcana cards. I'm like, fuck yeah, bro. We're playing Lorcana. I can't wait. Um, and then, like, I'm following up with him. He's like, no, I just bought the one pack. I'm not really into it. I'm like, bro, fuck you, man. Don't make me do this alone. Please go down this rabbit hole with me. He's like, I can't because I can't do two of these. I'm like, what do you mean two of these? He's like... Pokemon 151 just came out, and I I got I can only do one of these things, so I'm doing Pokemon 151. I can't be doing Lorcana with you. I'm like, fuck you, bro. So so now we have a yeah we have an agreement where if if he finds Lorcana cards, he lets me know, and if I if I find Pokemon 151 cards, I have to let him know. And dude, I don't I don't know how hard it is to find these things, but um I've been to like a hundred different like books a million and Targets and Best Buys and shit over the past couple weeks looking for these things, and only one, like I found, I was in, a, I was in a random ass Target in Lakeland, Florida, uh, birthplace of Publix grocery stores, and um, I was in the Target, and they had, ma- I don't know if they had just stocked it, and then I walked in like right afterwards, like lucky timing, but dude, they had a massive display of Pokemon 151, and they had like all the booster packs, they had the Snorlax pack, they had that like 250 dollar Mew box or whatever the fuck they had, they had like four or five different packs you could get, and everything was in stock. And I just went over to the, there to look at it. Like I, I, like, I pull up, like, fucking Instagram, FaceTime, or whatever it's called. And I'm like, I'm telling my buddy, I'm like, here are all those Pokemon cards you want. He's like, oh, my God, they have they have that shit and they have that. He's, like, freaking out about the stock they have. I'm like, well, lucky you. They don't have any fucking Disney Lorcana cards here. But, like, he was he was losing his shit over all these things. I'm like, I'm not buying any of this stuff for you, man. This is expensive shit. But, like, I, I'm, I don't know if this is what happened, but, like, I have a feeling he rushed out and drove, like, an hour and a half to get to that that target location after that. But, uh, man, dude, people are going nuts. I just say that anecdotally just to say people are going fucking nuts for this Pokemon 151. Uh, I guess it's like a, a new era of the original 151 cards, which I think is insanely smart, super savvy of them to do that. Um, definitely getting a bunch of 30 something year old men going crazy over this stuff. But yeah, dude, like I, I was there and like, there's like 40, 40 neck beards with me. And we're all just hovering over, <sighs> heavy breathing over like we just all eat fucking barbecue rib sandwiches and we're just like hovering over these pokemon cards like uh they got the mew pack it's insane man i i haven't seen pokemon cards like this relevant and popular and i i I thought it was like 2001 or something like it's insane in here dude i don't know but thank you for writing in arctic chief i don't know how we got on that topic but uh (laughs) hope you guys had a great trip enjoy your pokemon hunting card collecting's fun i know it's a i know it's like a really bad use of money but at the same time it's very fun it's a it's a fun hobby to get engaged with it's expensive it's stupid but it's so much fun and i totally get it so good luck to you on your hunt and wish me luck on my lorcana hunt i'm i've i've gotten one starter deck so far that shit sells out in like 10 seconds every time it goes in stock anyway Next up, Dead Captain Dreams writes in with what might be my favorite question this we've gotten on the show in a long ass time. This is and again, I'm not just saying this because I got a little bit of a a little bit of an appreciation for Dead Captain James being an OG. Not at all. This is just a genuinely really fun uh, question. So I'm, I'm excited to get into this. He says, Great show, Jesse. I'm stuck in a bit of a gaming rut myself. I can't seem to play games for more than 30 minutes. No games are clicking for me right now. And has anyone else ever gotten stuck in this loop? And if so, how did you get out? 
So yeah, I, I love this because I think this is uh, insanely relatable. I, I, I'm sure everyone listening has had this happen. It, it has to happen. Like it's just, it'd be, it'd be unhuman for it to not happen at, at least eventually, you know, it's, it's healthy. You know, you got your different hobbies and every now and then it's like, you're feeling something and you kind of fall out of love at least temporarily with one thing or another, you know, um, man, I, I don't know. I feel like the only thing to do, it might feel like a bad time for this to happen because especially this fall, but this year in general is obviously such a big year for so many good games that, that have been coming out. But I feel like if you look past that and just, you know, you can't control the timing. It happened when it happened, but if you can just enjoy this moment and it kind of, uh, I'd say lean into it, right? Like, isn't that kind of like the thing to do is like lean into it. Like you're not feeling video games right now. So what? It's probably happened before. It'll probably happen again. You'll probably fall back into video games pretty soon here. But, like, this is a time to take advantage of the whole, like, I'm not really in the mood to play games thing and just heavily invest in other aspects of life. I don't, I don't know. Like, um, what are some other hobbies you have? Just lean into that shit. Or, like, God, dude, it's October. It's the most beautiful freaking month out of the year. Go outside and, 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 and touch dead leaves and smell air or something. I don't, you know, it's like, it's just, um, it's cool. Like, I, I, I feel like I've talked about it on the show before as well, right? Like, I... I don't know, like, my, my, my great loves are, like, video games and Disney theme parks, but I go through times where, like, eh, I'm not, I don't really give a shit about theme parks right now, I don't want to think about them, I don't want to follow the news, I don't want to go to one, I just, I'm tuned down on that, and then I'll go through times where I'm like, eh, I'm not, I don't really give a shit about video games right now, I, yes, it's the weekend, I got free time, I don't care, I don't want to play a game, I don't, I'm not in the mood, I want to do something else, but, like, it's so special because, like, you have so much time, you have so much attention, Only you only have so much time and attention, there's only so much disposable income, there's only so much, you know, life to live, that it's like, an opportunity for you to kind of be out of love, or just not really in the mood for one hobby, is an opportunity to fall deeper in love, or, or grow a greater fondness and appreciation for another love and hobby, like, I mean, like, I don't know, let's say you love kayaking, well, it's like, We'll just have a really great couple weeks kayaking and just learn all there is to, about paddling in the fucking water upstream in a little narrow tubular looking boat. Like, I don't I don't fucking know. Like, make make the most of it. So I don't know. I, I, I love that stuff. Just uh, really, really lean into this opportunity. It's not it's not a problem. It's not a rut. It's not an issue. It's a it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to really explore another side of yourself and, and, and get some fulfillment where you find it, like, you know. Gaming is a hobby. It's something we do for fun. It's something we should do for entertainment. We should never be held. We we should never be held like to, enslaved to our to our love of gaming. It should be it should be something we do out of pure a pure desire to be entertained and to enjoy. And uh, if if video games aren't currently bringing you that entertainment and that joy, then find the thing that's naturally providing you that joy and go go be entertained and and enjoyed <laughs> enjoy something else. You know, it's uh, I don't know. So I I just think that stuff's really fun and exciting. Like I I love that. So right now I'm really into this Disney Lorcana bullshit. I know damn well I will fall off of this. I know this is not the end of the road for me. There's no way I'm like 57 years old one day going. Yeah, man. It was it was back in the fall of 2023. The Lorcana cards came out, and I just I'm still so obsessed with them. My whole life was changed once those Lorcana cards were released in stores. Uh, God damn it, that's my that that changed the whole course of my life. Like, probably not gonna happen, but I don't know. There are gonna be times where I don't want to play video games. There are gonna be times I don't want to go to Disney World, but I know at the end of the day, 
more often than not, those are the things that bring me the most joy. Those are the things I love the most. Sometimes, sometimes I'm like, oh man, I love music. I should go back to playing guitar. And then I, I play guitar for a week. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forget what it's like to have calloused fingers. And then you go back to letting your guitar collect dust as it's, as, it, as it's supposed to do. And then you move on. You just, that was a fun week. Even, even if I didn't end up becoming the next Led Zeppelin because of that one week of inspiration and encouragement, it's like, at least I had a fun time playing guitar last week. I don't, I don't know. Enough of that. I, uh, I'd love to hear if other people want to write in about that. Kind of how you, how do you handle those moments where you uh, just kind of fall out of love with something? Also, I, I just feel like in the internet age, as like a final side note, it's like it's so frustrating because it's so easy to find new hobbies these days. That's like, I feel like I have too many hobbies. If anything, I need to shed some hobbies. They're like sometimes I'm just it's too many things. Like what the what the fuck. I feel like every, like, 10 years, I'll go back into paintball. That's one that gets me where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I love paintball. I got to watch NXL this year. I got to go, oh, what's the – let me go to Planet Eclipse. To, oh, look look at the shit they sell these days. Okay, these, this is the kind of gear people are wearing these days. Like, oh, my my, my, my Ether 2 is outdated. I got to go buy what, – what's the latest What's the latest gun that people are using these days? What's cool these days? And it's like you get really into it six months later. Yeah, fuck paintball. I'll come back to you in 10 years. Oh, well, at least it was a fun six months. But, uh, yeah, thanks for writing in, Dead Captain James. Good to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Mr. Malg writes in and says, I think big games coming to mobile is a great thing. I'm just surprised that Apple, of all companies, is doing it. These phone SOCs, um, silicon on chips or whatever, are much more powerful than people think. But if it doesn't grow, there's always next-gen switch. Also, Liza P is kind of fun. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, honestly, I feel like this is uh, kind of coming later than expected because I feel like they've been working at in kind of teasing these kinds of things for so long. Like Apple has always had a, a gaming push at their iPhone um, uh, presentations every year for like the longest time. And I feel like they've always been like, we have console quality graphics in the latest iPhone. But it's like, but why haven't we seen console games on these phones? And it's like, we're just now getting there. But I feel like we should have been able to have been here years ago so i wonder what the impetus was is it is it hardware or is it apple going out and seeking publishers that will go out and do these things with some of their games you know on apple's dollar to try and solidify this idea that like hey you can do serious gaming on on these phones come come put your games here so i do wonder about that but yeah good good writing good point and uh thank you mr mag hope you're doing well uh okay next up i cronky writes in Followed by a big ass reply by from Sam Frito, followed by Sam Frito's comment himself. So let's uh let's dig into this. I, I haven't read this one yet, so I'm excited to see what what happens. Cronky says, "Serious question: If you want games themselves to move to digital, how about hardware? Assuming streaming latency gets low enough, does it mean you just be happy with an Xbox app on your TV instead of a physical console? I will tell you what." Or I will tell you now, I will always have a physical box. When Xbox stops selling them, I'll move on to whatever company still has physical boxes. Put a pin in that. Sam Frito responds and says, good question. I want it all to work. But I'd be a fool if I didn't relate to all those years of new game release excitements and just working usually at release. Uh, We have a different set of parameters that depends on the internet giving us updates, patches, and even analytics from our playtimes. Everything you are accustomed to uh, is right as long as you know it's totally out of your control since the end of the 360 start of the Xbox One. I love my physical collection for what it means to me. I hope the physical would step back into granting you more flexibility on status. But it's hard to argue. 
when a corporation doesn't have to abide by making sure the code on the disc actually plays the game on its own, no download required, I still enjoy War for Cybertron on Xbox 360. That's my love for physical media. They can't take that away from me. By the way, sorry to hear about your Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation 1 being delisted. <laughs> I'm sure I purchased it on PlayStation Story years ago to awkwardly play on PSP and never thought Sony would slap a solid snake taste out of my mouth, but they did. Anyways, let's hope there's an attempt to reinvent physical to a better premium, but I won't hold my breath. Thank you, sir. All right, so this is... Uh, yeah, so a couple things. Um, this is an um, arbitrary response. My dream is... Physical hardware, digital content. Plain and simple. Why? I don't have a good argument for you. Is it maybe because it's what I'm comfortable with right now and have been for the past decade or so? Probably. I think I'm just gauging too much of what the console experience with hardware and software needs to be based on what we're accustomed to on like desktops and PC and laptops and, and phones and things like that. Where I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical phone, download apps. Physical gaming PC, download games. Physical Xbox, download games. Like, that's kind of like my mentality. And it's arbitrary. It's just, it's, I'm not thinking as like a, as like a visionary or like a creator or anything like that. I'm just thinking as a dumb consumer that's like, I like what I like, you know? I, I'm aware of that. But yeah, I, I, I think there is something special about, this is the box that's dedicated to doing this one thing. I guess I'll try to put it like this. I don't love gaming on my phone because my game, my, my phone, while it's capable of playing games and doing some very well, is a gaming device like seventh or tenth or, or twelfth or something. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a communication device. It's a social media device. It's a, it's a wealth of, it's a, it's a, an access portal to the internet and its wealth of knowledge. Um, it's a phone. It's a, it's a camera. It's all of these things well before it's a gaming machine to me. That's my phone. And that's why the phone and gaming on the phone is like, well, sometimes I play a couple mobile games, but that's about it. I don't really care about it that much. But my Xbox is a one-stop shop box dedicated to all things video games, and I love that. It's kind of like this. Uh, I don't know. It's like, remember like, in the 90s, early 2000s, and probably well before that as well, when, like, you go to the grocery store and there's, like, um, a little horsey out front, and it's like you pop a quarter in the horsey, and then you can ride the little horsey, and it's like, wee, and then you ride it for 20 seconds, and it shakes around a little bit, and then you get off, and mom's like, okay, let's go shopping, right? That's great that the grocery store can offer me that experience, but I never want the little shaky horse trolley ride thing at, at, at the grocery store I never want that to replace Disney World because at the end of the day, I'd way rather go down Main Street, USA and ride Space Mountain and Tomorrowland and Seven Doors Mine Train and hop on over to Epcot and ride Test Track and Soarin' and all the. I'd way rather have that experience. Uh, an entire theme park, an entire space dedicated to rides and attractions and themed environments and storytelling in that manner. It's like, is that, does that kind of make sense where it's like, I'd rather have the thing that is a dedicated machine for that experience. And so to me, it's like having a an Xbox app on your Roku. It's like, that's cool, but my Roku is not an Xbox. My Roku is a Roku. It's a way of watching really shitty free movies and accessing Netflix. That's what my Roku is. It does Xbox. But my Xbox 
sure, I can do some other things and go on the internet and fucking Spotify and Netflix or whatever, but my Xbox is a one-stop shop place to play video games first and foremost. And so there's just something, maybe it's all psychological, I don't know, but it's just something so comforting of like, this is my box that's for gaming. This is the controller that connects to my box for gaming. It's part of why I don't like PC gaming. It's like, I don't I don't want the machine where I edit my school papers and edit my YouTube thumbnails to be the place where I'm sweating and gaming. Oh man, time to kill is really good in this new Call of Duty. Like, I don't want that. I don't want to marry those two things together. I hate that. I hate that experience. But I love that. I sit down, I pick up the Xbox controller, I turn on that specific box that's plugged up to that TV, and it means time to play video games, time to play Halo, time to go racing time, time to go Call of Duty time, time to update Call of Duty because every five days Call of Duty has like another 20 gigabyte update. Why? Why does Call of Duty need so many of my gigabytes? You ask for too many gigabytes Call of Duty. But that is, you know, that's... I like that. I like that compartmentalization. I like I like that my car is my car. I like that my Xbox is my gaming device. I like that my house is my living box. I, do, I just, I want things to know their place and to stay in their lane. So that's the first thing I'll say. Uh, to Sam Frito's point, though, yeah, I mean, I, as far as where I, and I'll just kind of, I guess, address some of this because there's a lot here. I would say that I, I agree. As someone who prefers digital media, I, I agree that, you know, all joking aside, I was being really tongue in cheek the past couple weeks, but I agree that there, there is a, a place for physical media. I think it would be cool if like, maybe not all games, but some games do like a limited run physical release type of almost like 99% of people get their music from like Spotify and Apple music and YouTube and Amazon music and things like that. Right. 99% of us are more than happy to listen to Justin Bieber's latest fucking song streamed over the internet on our phones, Spotify, whatever. But then there's going to be that like 0.01% that's like, Ooh, I need to have a record for my record player because it just sounds so much better. Ooh, I got a record player and I have to buy $30 records every time I want to listen to Justice Bieber. Like, okay, whatever. Right. More power to those people. You're in a vast minority. Uh, that's an oxymoron, right? Uh, you're in the minority there and teach their own. And I'm glad that there is a, a medium and a thing that, that caters to you and your specific need because someone out there is like, Hey, I can make money off these people. That's great. I want that for gaming. I want there to be like, yes, you can go online and buy the physical disc of Starfield three in the year 2048 that has the whole game downloaded on one disc. And you can pop that into your Xbox if you want. And you can play Starfield 3 that way. That's great. The remaining 99.9% of us sane, normal, rational human beings will download the game and play it digitally because we're not mentally incapacitated. That's fine. But I do want that option to exist. And I don't see why we can't have that niche kind of alternative for the few that want it. It's just, I don't think the future will always be you walk into a Walmart, you walk into a Best Buy, and there's a huge gaming aisle with aisles and aisles of video game boxes. <clears throat> I think eventually it's going to be like, yeah, everyone buys their games digitally, but sure, you can go on online and buy the physical copy from a limited release run or something like that. Or maybe you can go to some cute little hipster boutique shop like GameStop. <laughs> it's a joke. And uh, buy a physical copy of a game there, maybe, you know, maybe that could be a niche, but... I just think in the future the you know, and I agree with what Sam Frey was saying. It sucks for the people that do like physical games that you can't even have what it is you want to the fullest extent because you're basically paying $60, $70 for a case with an art, with an, uh, with an art sleeve 
and a disc that has a, a an access to code to download something from the internet. So you don't even really have the game when you buy physical either. So I, I agree that sucks. There's, there should be a normalized market of physical versions of games that have the game fully 100% printed onto the disc. Maybe since everything's day one patched to hell now, the way games should work is it's like, okay, here's Call of Duty 75. Um, it comes out November 10th, and it'll be digital only on all consoles. And then six months later, we'll put it out in a physical format for a limited run, um, and then we'll have all the updates and patches and things like that st installed onto the disc, and this will be for the collectors that need physical copies of games. And it's like, okay. You know, I, I love that idea. I think that's cool. I think that makes sense. That works. But it's going to be niche. It's not going to be like, an, it's not going to be like, oh, yeah, did you buy physical or digital? It's going to be like, yeah, we all we all downloaded the game because we're not fucking idiots. But for those of you that fucking smell your own farts and you got to you gotta have the record player, that's fine. That's fine. You can buy the physical game to each their own. All right. Now that I've offended half the audience because I know there's a lot of physical media defenders here. Let's continue on with the last two comments of the of the week. Next up is actually, we're sticking with Sam Frito, but this is his, his right in his comment. And he says, deep sea fishing is bad for you. Leathery sunburnt skin speckled with fish guts and smelling of nicotine slurred speech and bad breath. Let me stop right there. Or no, you said, you tell me if you're ever going to get nostalgic for that. I won't. Um, I, I, I hate how you describe that because that's exactly what deep sea fishing was. And I, and I, and I regret every second of it. So thank you. Thank you for making me relive my horror. You are now causing me trauma and I hate you. Uh, you said, you tell me that if you're going to get nostalgic for that or no, 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 physical versus digital. I remember vacation. Oh God, we're bringing, we'll go back to this. I remember vacationing with my OG Xbox and not being able to decide if I wanted to bring Tony Hawk's underground one or two Sonic heroes or Sonic mega collection. It was digital. It's uh, it, Sorry, with digital, it's all about games on the Series S, so I can have about 14 more choices. They don't make physical ownership enticing enough to stick with me. This may disturb some of you. I just bought Shaq Fu cartridge, Sega Genesis, and the value did not increase. Um, what, after all these years? Like, it's still cheap? Yeah, sticker on the back of the loose cart price at $1.25. Yeah, that's crazy. The game is 30 years old and still works. You get me? Great show. Good luck with the house. You'll be happy once it's over. I appreciate that, Sam. We're very much looking forward to it. But no, I do, I do get you. Yeah, the game is the game. And there's something really nice about that. And we were just talking about it, so we don't have to linger on it. But there is something about that these days, when you buy the fucking game, you're not really even getting the game. So just we might as well just stop what we're doing now because right now we're pleasing nobody. Do digital only. And have some more like boutique, limited run, physical uh, alternative. I mean, I think it should be more expensive, honestly. It's like, yeah, $70 if you download it or $85 if you buy the physical copy. Because it's going to have to happen. They're not going to be able to print these in mass. It's going to be more of a, a boutique kind of niche thing. But I hope, I hope at least something like that happens so you guys can continue to get your fix. But as it stands now, like, I don't know, this whole like, you can buy physical, but it's technically digital. Or you can just get digital. I feel like that's a, it's kind of like a lose-lose. So I don't, you know, for those of you that like physical media, I feel for you. It sucks. It's like a double F you, but let's move into our final comment of the week. Wait, we're missing one. What the hell? Missed it. Yes, we are missing one. Okay, I got a year. I'll save that one for last. All right, let's put that aside for a second. And Mike Clark writes in. So, okay, Mike, you're the penultimate comment now. Shout out to the best 4.75 star rated podcast on the web. Thank you. That's a great rating. 
Uh, Deep Sea Fishing, thank you for the share. Couldn't agree more about being in open waters on a small boat. Yeah, it sucks. I'm still motion sick just thinking about it. Layoffs suck regarding to the industry. Have you looked into what these Western CEOs are making? Damn near criminal. Yep. If only there was a way for everyone to get paid fairly. I Again, don't mind CEOs being multimillionaires and being paid very handsomely. That's fine, but... Do you need to make so much money that no one else can even afford like a decent, like, come on now, come on now. Physical will always be better than digital. Hell, I went to, uh, I went to Cabo selling my PC engine collection 10 years ago. What? What? No, you guys got to stop. This, someone's got to be on the digital team with me, please, for the love of God. Great show, and thank you again. Also, P.S., I'm convinced Jesse uh, just wants to live in a, in a demolition man slash Wally world where you just eat Taco Bell and babies are made in a petri dish uh i don't and as i told you i i really i really don't mind that alternative future i don't i don't necessarily see what's wrong with that i've watched wally many a time before and i don't i don't see what's wrong with that future in general to be completely honest i feel like that movie kind of misses the point which is like we don't need earth we are better than earth we are stronger than earth so whatever all right and the final comment is none other than mr head hunting halo who always closes out when he writes in because we love him. He's a fucking wild card. He says, I'm seriously on the edge of pre-ordering the Meta 3. Someone please help me. My son has the two, but I would love to play with him. And what should I do? What are the games are your favorite? And I have the grilled chicken tacos from Taco Bell. Honestly sucks. The taquitos I get from the store are better. Did you see the new voodoo flavor? Mm. All right. Let's, let's, let's answer this backwards and get back to the top because the top's the big comment. Uh, yes, we talked about the new voodoo flavor on the podcast a few weeks ago. I'm drinking it every single day. It's not very good, but it is Halloween, so I have to drink it. So, yes, the Taco Bell chicken rollers do suck. You're right. The grocery store taquitos are better. That ranch dipping sauce is amazing, but, yes, the, it's the spicy ranch dipping sauce. Very good, but, yeah, the taquitos themselves suck. They're very disappointing. I cannot wait for the next Taco Bell item because this one ain't it, son. Uh, MetaQuest 3, isn't that like 500, 600 bucks? Um I don't say, man. I have a Meta Quest Two. I'm, I'm like, I don't like calling it that. I have an Oculus Quest Two, for the love of God. And um, I don't know. It's 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 weird, dude. Because I have a couple games. I bought like Job Simulator. I bought the three Immortal uh, Vader Immortal things. Um, I have that one zombie game that's kind of like Left 4 Dead that I can't believe I forgot the game name of, but it's pretty pretty cool. Um, I forget the name of it. Honestly, the best stuff in VR. Oh, I like Pavlov VR or things like that. The the best stuff on on Oculus Quest, um, in my opinion, is is like all the free to play shit, dude. You you know what? I, this is weird, but I I love VR VR Quest. Uh, yeah, VR Quest. Why am I forgetting all these names? I I really love VR Quest. Chilling out and fucking around in VR Quest is a lot of fun to me. And Job Simulator is super super good, although that costs like fifteen bucks or whatever. Um, I don't know, man. Oh, Gun Raiders. Gun Raiders is a ton of fun. That's free. But I, I love my Oculus Quest. I don't regret buying it. I got it. I got like a deal on it for like two fifty, I think, when I when I bought it a couple of years ago. And I don't regret it. I like it a lot. When I do use it, I love it. But it is definitely one of those things where like I first got it. I was in love with it. I played it every day. And then after a couple months, I just stopped playing it. And then six months later, I was like, ooh, I should play that. And then I played it. And I was like, this is fun. I love this thing. And then I stopped playing it. And then six months later, I was like, ooh, this thing's fun. I should play this thing again. And then I played it for a night, and I was like, okay, I'm done with it again. So I will say I highly recommend it if, you, if you're if you curious about VR and you want to have this kind of experience. But just know that 
it's very limited experiences and you will get bored of it way faster than you think you will because especially for how insanely mind-blowing and engaging those first few experiences are it's surprising how fast you fall off of it that being said i think for like 300 bucks an oculus is an amazing investment i think for five six hundred bucks it's a little steep I'm, i don't know i know the three is better it does all these other things but it's a little steep for like five six hundred bucks so I don't know, man. That that decision, I guess, is one you'll have to come up with on your own. But I I personally think wait for a little bit of a price drop or a more affordable way to get one if you're trying to get the newer model, or maybe just go for the two or just use your son's thing. But I guess you have to you can't play with him if you take it from him. So I don't know. I wish I could help you out more. But head hunting Halo. Thank you for writing in, and thank you all for writing in. Uh, I am losing my voice because I'm talking too much, and so I need to go. So thank you so much for listening to the Xbox on Podcast. I hope you'll take the time to uh, listen, enjoy, and leave a review if you can. It would really help out a lot. Try and get some more of those five-star reviews, and thank you all uh, as usual. So have a great week. Play some Forza. Play some Modern Warfare 3 beta. Do whatever you want. Take a break. Touch some grass. Eat some ass. I don't care. It's all up to you. But until next week, how are your dreams?